And good evening, everybody. It is Saturday night, May 14th, year 2011. I'm Wallace Hughes. I hope you're all doing well. It is 728 here on the West Coast. Everybody, it is Saturday night, May 14th, year 2011. I'm Wallace Hughes. I hope you're all doing well. It is 728 here on the West Coast. And we are back. We are live. And we're going to do a show with Patricia. But first, let's say a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the wonderful opportunities and the wonderful day today. Bless all the listeners of the station. Bless the supporters. Look after Kim today as she has the memorial service for Ben. Bless Bill and Kim as they guide the station. Look after all our friends out there, Lord. We love them all very, very much. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Here's some Buddy Clark while I get my gal, the, the First Lady of Yesterday USA. <laughs> Christmas tree, heading for the one I love. 
I'm gonna pop her the question That question Do you, darling, do you do? It'll be easy So easy If I can only bank on you Oh, buttermilk sky I'm telling you why Now you know Keep it in mind tonight Keep a brush and those clouds in sight. Oh, buttermilk sky. Don't you feel me when I'm needing a more? Take a moon above my hitching pole and hitch me to the one I love. You can if you try. Don't tell me no lie. Will you be mellow and Tonight, buttermilk sky. I'm gonna pop her that question. That question. Do you, darling, do you do? It'll be so easy, so easy. If I can only bank on you, oh, buttermilk sky. Don't tell me no lie. Will you be mellow and bright tonight? Oh, but I'm in the sky. Now, friends, here's the singing star of our program with the coffee song, Buddy Clark. Way down among Brazilians, coffee beans grow by the billions, so they've got to find those extra cups to fill. They've got an awful lot of coffee in Brazil. You can't get cherry soda, cause they've got to sell their quota, and the way things are, I guess they never will. They've got a zillion tons of coffee in Brazil. No tea or tomato juice, you'll see. No potato juice, cause the planters down in Santa's all say no, no, no. A politician's daughter was accused of drinking water and was fined a great big $50 bill. They've got an awful lot of coffee in Brazil. Down in Santa's, I'll say no, no, no. A politician's daughter was accused of drinking water and was fined a great big $50 bill. They've got an awful lot of coffee in And one of the great underrated singers of the 1940s, Buddy Clark. And hello, Lady Patricia. Well, hello, Sir Walden. How are you? We're super. You had a, hmm? We're super. Super. I thought you said sugar. I was going to say, pick me, pick me. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody have any sugar water? They can email it to Patricia. Just, just some lumps of sugar. Lumps you? of sugar. I'll win if I have to. I know. I, Patricia doesn't like lumps, but I think she'll take the lumps of sugar in her email. Oh, it, uh, lumps are okay as long as they're not in my food. 
and that's floridarider at hotmail.com. Send your sugar lumps to there. Hello there, you have any sugar lumps? Hey, I want to see if I, I, I can talk to the people that have sh are on sugar high. Sugar high. Well, right. I, I, I will admit today I went and did have a strawberry. How was it? How was it? How was it? I did have a strawberry milkshake. No, no, no. How was the... Um, <laughs> with, My Carl Schoenberg burger was good. With, no, with... Uh, I, had, I, I had a Monte Cristo for lunch. <laughs> I had scrambled eggs for breakfast with toast. Now you're doomed. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> now you're on a roll. And a candy bar. And a, what kind of bar? And, and a candy bar. A half of a candy bar. Candy bar. So what was my day? Boy, you were right on the sugar high, Ron. <laughs> I'm in a... I am, uh, yeah. my heart, I am... And I took two, I took two baths. One to wake me up before the show. So... It's not pretty I'm clean. Then, yeah. I'm clean. I'm not going to smell. Yeah, I know, but yeah, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this, this show has started off with a real high, yes, I don't know, but yeah. Hey, listen, Patricia, how are you? I am fine, Ron. How are you? I am excited. I understand you found some meat, Millie, and I you did. Uh, and it and you're gonna try and combine Andy Harder with Roy Rogers, which is a is, is a fabulous duo. <laughs> I think they'll get along all right. Yeah, actually, I think the Mickey Rooney and Roy Rogers would be they would they would be able to handle each other. Um, I want to check in. Do you have any? Do you 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 have space? Tom Corbett space cadet? Yes, I do. Okay, well, then how about Nero Wolf? I do. Okay, well, you you you're pretty well stocked up there. How about Grand Central Station? Grand Central Station, I do not. And um, Gail put that in her email for me the other day. I don't have that, and it's a great show. Yeah, I'm going to send you some grants. There's not too many of them, but I'll, I'll send you what I got. And uh, and also, how about the Doris Day show? I'm, I'm, well, Walden is going to hurt me on this one. I am not a fan of, of Doris Day. Walden, let's, Walden, let's hang up on Patricia. Well, you know, I still love Patricia anyway. I know. You know, I mean, oh, God. She just doesn't know what she's missing. When I was in high school... I did not know Doris Day had a show. No, I mean, a lot of people don't like her show because we can. But yeah, her, the talent as a singer, is first, <laughs> is first rate. You know, um, She is a first rate singer. I, I um, when I was in high school, well, before I went to high school, she made the song Secret Love popular mm -hmm. from Calamity Jane, the movie. And it was so nice. So nice. Uh, by the way, I have a story about secret love. Wait, and then she sang, I'll never stop loving you. Uh, no, that's right. Uh, nice. it that was so nice. Beautiful song. So nice. And uh, I mean, well, it, was, it was really good. Okay, Shirah, Shirah. Yeah, of course. What you know. Be, yeah. yeah. She sang some good magic, stuff. Magic, magic with a classic, you know. Yeah. Could I, could I revise my statement, please? Shall we take a vote? Good. Go ahead and revise your statement. Please, 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 please. Go ahead. Yeah, revise yes. your statement. Yes. Okay, I want to revise my statement. It's not that I don't enjoy Doris Day. I don't enjoy shows that pivot on music and singing. So she happens to be in that bundle. I mean, I'm, I'm not, oh, oh boy, I'm not even going to tell you what other shows was. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Me. Anyway. Well, Patricia is Patricia. We is 
We, I know Patricia. She's, you know. I, yeah, I like to know her too. Well, she, music of the, of the, uh, in the 30, 40, and 50, we have to work with her on this. You know, she has to grow up. You know, that's just one of my goals in life. She's very young. She's really not 79 years old. She's. I'm not. I'm 78. I See, haven't had yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, so, we, Ron, it's your, it's your, it's your goal for 2011-12 mm -hmm. is work on Patricia's mu musical education. We in the, in the Mood was playing before you got on? Yes. That's cool. I really like that one. Ron, you played that with the, when, when you and the musicians. My big band, my big band. Yeah. You did that one, and gosh, it's good. Oh, golly, it's good. You know what, and it's still, of the big band song, it's still recognized by all generations. It's amazing why that song gravitates to everybody, knows it, and likes it. doesn't surprise me at all. Mm -hmm. It's got a sound from every single era of music. It's got a sound that matches every single one of them. Not all the sounds, but there is a sound in there that matches everything. Yep. But I... I think Doris Day is the greatest singer. Oh, I know, I, I know. know. And I love listening to her songs. If you play a song and it's finished, I say, boy, that's really great. Yeah. You get to like, the, you know, like a show. Musical shows. No, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not fond of musical shows. Yeah. Am I off the hook? Mm, of course you are. Really? But we're going to, Ron, I know we can send Patricia now. <laughs> to school. You're going to send her to music appreciation class. Yes, we're going to send her to railroad out. You got any the railroad out, that's going to help her out. Yeah. There um, you go. I don't think I ever heard of Railroad Hour. Oh, okay. I'll send you those. those are, um, explain to them what Railroad Hours are, were. They took uh, Broadway shows, the famous movies, and it was starring Gordon McRae and a female co-star, and dramatized a story, and they threw a couple songs in. Good music, Patricia. Yes. Excellent music. I mean, they, they took a musical like Naughty Marietta or, you know, some kind of musical, and they made a half-hour production with the music of that particular play. Actually, sometimes it started out as a 45-minute show, and they call it the Railroad Hour. Does anybody know why they call a show the Railroad Hour when it's only 45 minutes long? Wasn't it dedicated um, for the train? Yes, yeah, it was, put, it was sponsored by the American Train Association. Now I'll send you those, Patricia. You'll love those. She's silent. Well, that, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm the 45 minutes for an hour show, uh -huh. because there was no advertising in it. Right, but why do they call it the railroad hour? Uh, well, mm -hmm. we're doing two things here. Thank you, Ron. I'll listen to some. <laughs> a paragraph. Uh, um, they're, they're good mu Patricia, it's excellent music. I mean, it's just like going to a musical, you know? You, you, if you went out with me on a date, um, we'd go and go to a, a musical, a Broadway play or something. And that's what the railroad hour is like. I'm going to a, a little Broadway play. Oh, cool. Okay. Like, so it's like dating Ron. It, when you see something like that, it's like dating Ron Mir Shiro. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're going to break me in slowly on this. Yes. Okay, we'll, and we'll need some sugarless candy. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, good. Whatever. Oh, good. Actually, so take sugar. So take sugar? Yeah. Oh. Just long we take the long we take all the bad stuff out of it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think I'm going to call you guys there. My, my daughter's in a, granddaughter's in a, Two granddaughters are in a ballet performance. Oh, how sweet! 
Yeah, so I'm going to go and have dinner. So are you going to put your hand on the floor with them tap on it? <laughs> I'll talk to you later. <laughs> on that, on that summer. Yeah, I'll send you railroad hours and I'll send you... Grand um, Central Station. You know, I think Nero Wolf, you don't have 25 of them, right? Yeah, I, th I thought I sent you uh, Nero Wolf. Oh, no, no. Uh -uh. No, I, I do. I, as a matter of fact, I think I have more than 25 because I have... There's the, there was only 25 shows, I think. Well, I have the Canadian series as well. Because nobody could get along with Sydney Green Street. Yeah, I can understand that. I, he's, he's hard on my ears, too. Isn't that right, Walden? Well, wasn't him, per se. Rex Dow was just not happy with the show. That's no, but that's why they had so many. Um, what was his partner's name? Archie. Yeah, they had so many Archies. They they blamed it, they what they did they blamed the 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 show not being successful on Archie. That's why they swapped him out so many times. Oh gee, well they had Gerald Moore mm -hmm. and Harry Bartell. Correct. Are you right? They and Herb Ellis, who's still with us. Okay. He, um, there was wasn't there a fourth? I think there were. There were four. Oh, they kept they kept changing. Who was the fourth one, Ron? I can't remember. Groucho Marx. <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll send you Grand Central Station and uh, and the other one, the Railroad, Railroad Hour, and, and you'll love the music. Okay, and I promise I'll listen. Yeah, just imagine that you're on a date with Rodney and Cheryl, and, 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 and I took you to hear and see a, a Broadway play on, on radio. Okay. Right. And you, you suck on your, or your, whatever you want to suck on. Uh, oh, lollipops. Lollipops. Mm -hmm. Lemon. Lemon, lemon lollies. Lemon lollies. How about lemon drops? Lemon drops. I, I have lemon drops, too. Yeah, I do. Microwave a popcorn on the microwave, whatever. Yeah, I have that, too. All right, we'll talk to you after. We'll the... talk to you after the show. Give us a report. <clears throat> Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 714-545-2071. We're off to a roaring start. Here on the Saturday Night Show, May 14th. We weren't sure what time we were going to get in, but we got in early. And we're here. And thank you for uh, putting up for my wacky schedule for the last three weeks or so. That's probably the reason why we haven't booked any guests, because just Walden doesn't know where he's going to be half the time if he's here, there, and everywhere. But we now we know I'm here. For the next, for the last three weeks or so? For the last three weeks, it's been, it been wacky, yeah. He count the ways. You know? Boy, it's been more than three weeks. You know, my my life is well, wacky thing that we do. Anyway, um, seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Get your heads up. We will not be here the last weekend in June because we'll be broadcasting from Seattle. Hello there, you're on the air. It's John from Edgewood, Maryland. Hello, John. John, it's good to hear from you. Well, I've been away. I was in Texas for a while to visit my son. Uh-huh. And I got back, and I I got you on the air, and the other person who played Archie was Elliot Lewis. Uh, that's right. How could I ever forget Elliot Lewis? Did he really do it? Yes, he did. That oh, that's right. Of, uh, correct. Of the, but not uh, Frank S. Bushman. I was thinking of the Cindy Green Street versions. Oh, no, no. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I was thinking about Archie Goodwin oh, okay. across the board. Yeah, and that's correct. John was. Oh, my goodness. And Elliot Lewis is one of my 100 million 10% favorite people. How could I have forgotten him? Thank you, John. Good. Also, Doris Day is also my favorite singer. See? There are, two, there are three of us. All right. Two out of, two, oh, three out of four? Yeah. Okay, well, somebody's got her, her the other side. I saw her in 
uh, Romance on the High Seas with Jack Carson's Janice Page. And Patricia's favorite personality was in that movie. And she introduced that song, It's Magic. It's Magic. An Oscar event, Patricia. Oh, not really? Yes. What kind of role did he play? A pianist, right? Really one of my favorite movies, too. <laughs> great, great song. It was interesting. Wait, I had a... I had to interrupt your evening to let you know. No, we no, no, you no, call. you didn't interrupt at all. My goodness. We were looking for help. Well, wait, wait. And I got those other discs that you sent me. I appreciate it very much, but I feel guilty taking them. No. no. feel guilty taking them. For goodness sakes, you earned them. I asked you a question, and I'm going to ask you another one. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you want a hard one? Ask me a question. <laughs> you want a hard one or an easy one or an in-between one? Oh, I don't care. All right. Uh, let's see. Who knows what evil lurks in the minds of men? Shadow. The shadow knows. Yes. This is. That was. You know that was recorded for all of those shows. It was the same person that uh, said that statement. It wasn't Orson Welles. It wasn't all the ones down the line. It, it was one recording, and they used it for all the shows. I think I heard that someplace. Walden, what is the background on that? Walden is our encyclopedia here. Um, I think he knows that. It was Frank Reddick who did it. Is he the one? He was the one that did it, and Orson Welles could not do the laugh. And so they record. So Frank Reddick was the early shadow, and they just kept the recordings throughout the 30s until Bill, Johnst Bill Johnstone took it, took it. But yeah, for very many. And in fact, uh, Frank Reddick's grandson listen to our show. Oh, how cool. Yeah, his dad was the guy who probably won the last Johnny Dollars. I remember that. And then, uh, and then he, so he, he had a long line of pedigree from his dad and his grandfather. Uh-huh. So Reddick was the first one to play The Shadow. Uh, as a dramatized form, yeah. And then the second was Orson Welles. Correct. And they just held over Correct. recording from Reddick. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense, and we have to plug our buddy. Next next, next Friday, we're going to really talk about the shadow because uh, Martin Graham's book is out on it, and I'm going to play the time when Frank Percy sat down with Brett Morrison, who was the shadow, the last oh, one. Oh, wow. So we'll be featuring quite a bit of shadow next Friday night. Oh, that is a great, great yeah. interview. Yeah. All right. Well, John, you have just opened the floodgates here. That means I am able to send you some shows. What can I send you? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. I I listened to so many shows when I was young. I don't. Uh, it's hard for me. I uh, I guess I would like early hit parades with Frank Sinatra. Oh boy, I'm I'm not sure I have that hit parade. Walden, would I have that? Yes, they're out. They're out there. Right, okay. Um, uh, Frank did your hit parade twice. Uh, he did it from uh, 43 and 44, and his co-star. B. Wayne is still with us. Wayne, B. right. B. Wayne is, B. Wayne. is turned 94. Right. Andre Baruch was her husband. That's right. And so B. is 94 now. And then and then, uh, then Frank had to leave and came back, and he coached on my friend Bill Davis. And well, after that, it was Doris Day, then Bill Davis. And a great story I have to tell about Frank Sinatra. Um, Before we hop to that, Sinatra was 43 to 44, left and came back, and, and what are the other times? 47 to 49. 47 to 49. Okay. Here's a, here's a Frank On my hunt now. Here's a Frank Sinatra story for everybody. Um, 
Sinatra's agent was a close friend of mine, Bud Granoff. And uh, Kitty Callen, who everybody knows my second mom, uh, she and Frank Sinatra's agent, Bud Granoff, were going to get married. And But Frank wanted Kitty to star opposite him in your hit parade. And she turned him down. And she recommended uh, there was a, a young gal who had a young son who was scared to death of singing in front of the public. She was singing one small nightclub in New York, and Kitty knew her very well. And so she recommended this gal to get to be starring in your hit parade. She was sent to Hollywood, and her name is Doris Day. Oh, how exciting. So, so there. What a very nice thing. John, yeah. are you able to tell us what you were doing in Texas? Is that private, or can you talk about it? No. My son works for a newspaper in a town called Brenham, Texas. It's between Houston and Austin. It's just about in the middle. Uh-huh. And uh, we went down there for the Easter vacation. Oh, how great. Did you have a good time? Oh, yes. It was a lot hot and dry, no oh. rain. And uh, luckily his house is located over top of a stream. So he's luckily, luckily he has water. Oh, my. For his lawn. <laughs> Mm. Uh, I, you know, there, there have been so many horrible weather fronts that have marched through, and of course, you know, there's this extraordinary catastrophic flooding in the, you know, down along the Mississippi and the tributaries, and it's it's just awful. Um, I, I'm feeling guilty that I'm sitting here and kind of reveling in my weather. It was 97 the other day, I have to admit that, but, which broke a record for us. But, uh, well, I'm glad you had a good time. Oh, yes. And we missed you. I enjoyed it. And I, I got back, and I tried to listen to you down there, but I couldn't uh, uh, tie up their computer like I'm doing now. Ah, uh, okay. Well, next time you go down there, uh, would you let them know ahead of time what, what your needs are before you get there? Yeah. <laughs> well, we did miss you, and I'm glad you're home safe and that you're back listening to us. And um, I, I will squirrel around, and I will find some hip parade for you. Well, the other thing I wanted to mention was we came back. All that terrible tornado was happening in the south, and our plane went right through it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Obviously, very, you all were rough. okay, but did you get banged around? Oh, yeah. We got banged around in the sky, but everything worked out fine. Wow. Not the time to be out there fighting. <laughs> Awful stuff. Well, I do thank you for calling in. This is so neat that um, that we got to hear from you again, and thank you for being one of our family. I hope so. You are. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Give us a call. Hey. You bet. Right. Good night. Bye. How about that? Two calls in a row. 714-545-2071. Give us a call. We are serving lunch, dinner, or breakfast. You just have to put in your short order in. We send it via email. That way it, cost, it saves money on shipping and handling costs. So as long as you have email, you can send it, your orders into FloridaRider at Hotmail.com. Hello there, you're on the air. Uh, yeah, this is uh, Kurt from La Habra. Kurt, how you doing? Okay. You're not too far from me. You're in La Habra, California, right? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's Did you say Kurt or Kirk? Kurt, K-U-R-T. Thank you. How are you? You a first-time caller? Uh, yes, I am. Well, welcome to the gang. You, get to win, you win a free prize. 
Oh, okay. That's <laughs> right. I, and you know what? We've, we've been talking with people and family who are calling in, and I didn't get to say out loud yet tonight, if you're a first-time caller, you automatically get to pick some radio shows for me to send. Oh. How about that? Okay. Well, let me ask my, my questions first. Uh, yeah. uh, one you may not be answer, uh, able to answer, and the second one I'm not sure. Um, I have just discovered, because I bought them, that the eternal light is back in circulation. Correct. Um, what was what I bought was like 739 shows. Right. Oh, is that pretty much what's out there? I don't. I think there's more. Because uh, my understanding, the whole run from 1944 to 84 is out there, all 40 years worth, and concern was on every day. Oh, it went I mean, from 84. Yes, it went up to 1984. Oh, okay, because the ones that I bought were only up to 68. Yeah, yeah, my understanding went up to 84. Now, what I don't know is how often did they repeat the same stories, and maybe some of the collectors only put in, you know, um, you know, maybe they didn't put in some of the repeats. Oh, well, no, there's a lot of stuff missing, though, that, that they could have put in, you know, a lot of shows. Light on KFI, of course, out here right. in the '60s, and and uh, then I, you know, lost track of it totally. But if you're interested in a in a good show, obviously it's uh, it's about Jewish history. Yeah. But if you are looking for a religious show, which has some of the best stories that I have heard in radio, and I've been listening to radio programs since forever. I, I get picked them oh, not too long ago because I'm getting ready to look at you know, August in 1945 when we get, when the Japanese were getting ready to surrender and so I picked up some of the shows that were heard during that time frame. So so we'll be featuring some here in a few months when we're getting close to August. But you're right, it, it's a good, but there good are show. Some, there are some absolutely heartbreaking shows. Yes. And interestingly enough, um, there are shows about Helen Keller Right. A couple of, about Helen Keller and also a one about, I can't remember her name, Bridgman was her last name, the, the first deaf-blind girl that uh, that Dr. Howe educated. No kidding. And I did not know that. Something that you actually wouldn't be, and also a show about uh, Ann Sullivan Macy, mm -hmm. and uh, which was quite interesting. And um, so anyway, I was just... Uh, but the number of New York uh, radio actors that are in that show. Oh, yeah. It's legendary. And also, what is this, was a, a total surprise to me was Ken Nordine from Chicago. Right. Uh, both as actor and narrator. Right. One of the shows that I came across was written by Robert Silverberg. Now, I don't know whether it was the Robert Silverberg of science fiction fame, but I was very surprised at that and Ira Levin and a number of people. And even I heard a show which ended early with Nelson Olmstead, I think, Yes. Uh, in it. And I am surprised at the, the number of people that were in those shows. But like I said, if you have, especially if you can't really afford it, if you have access to, to the shows, you know, free, I would say they're very much worth your time. If people want to verify what's out there, Jerry Hendigas, uh website will tell you what's available, and then that way you can. And then 
there, there are three, as, as you point out, uh, places where you can go look for the MP3 collections. Actually, I went to his website last night, and I couldn't actually find a log for Eternal Light. So maybe you haven't put it up yet. But, okay. But um, anyway, my other question was, uh, the Old Time Radio uh, Research Group, Yeah. their, um, their collection for suspense is going to be on five DVDs, and it's going to be on the uh, archive site. But I don't know exactly when that's going to happen. But it's being it's being distributed as a distro at this time, and will be up on the archives at some time in the future. But I don't know when. Okay, that's good news. And so that's something that I will be very because I know that there are some some good quality shows that we that we hear kind of sloppy quality on. Correct. You know, the best example to my mind is like House in Cypress Canyon. Mm-hmm. I just tried, I just I just got my hands on the masters from forty five to forty eight to have those transferred uh, for suspense and those could be in general circulation. The toughest part of suspense are the nineteen forty two. A lot of those uh, masters are not in good shape. Right, and, and, and the ones the ones for the most of the, a lot of the ones from the fifties for some reason are not in good shape, although uh, there was a collector that had a lot of those in really good sound as well, so mm -hmm. I know that they exist. But that was a show that I was collecting for a long time. But I, I'm, um, I'm have um, multiple myeloma, which is a oh boy, a bone marrow cancer basically. Mm. And so I have been because, and I lost my job because I, you know, wasn't able to work for three months, and so I've had time because I'm supposed to have a stem cell transplant, but they can't do it because of other problems. And so I've had plenty, even you know, more time than usual to, uh, to listen to radio shows. And when I found out that the Eternal Light was out, um, I thought it was worthwhile. And I'm glad I bought what I bought. Yeah. Because, like I said, I mean, the stories in that series are, I mean, they did some stuff that you would not expect from radio in, you know, in terms of the quality and right. also in terms of the, the psychological insights. There's, there's several shows about children that are uh, extremely prescient as far as between, four, you know, between the 40s and 50s and now, and their, their psychological insights, which are really kind of surprising, but they're also very human in, in the way that you treat certain kind of damaged children. Mm. And it's, it's just great stuff. So, but I, I just wanted to call you you guys up because um, I thought I had or or might have had uh, your email address back when I when um, Frank Frizee was was still uh, full time yeah in the air with you and and he I had heard that he had a stroke is that correct correct and I saw Frank today um, he's still with me on for about five to ten minutes on Friday night. Uh -huh. uh, we're just waiting for him to get stronger before we turn the phone calls open. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, everybody can send me an email to WaldenShoes at yesterdayusa.com, and I'll make sure Frank gets them. Or same thing you can send to Patricia uh, for the writer at hotmail.com, and we'll make sure Frank gets them if you want to send anything to Frank via email. But Frank's doing good. I was with him today. He was at the Norman Corwin show that I produced. And he's starting to get out, so I'm really very yes, grateful um, about I'm that. I'm so glad to hear about that. Yeah. And um, that's reminded me, and I don't know why. I don't know if you remember a guy named Jay Lacey. I sure do. I remember when he used to be broadcasting hey. over KCRW. Oh, 
Yeah. And then eventually moved, I think, to Alaska. Well, he had a show called Night of the Auk. It was an hour long. It was an Arch Obler. It was an hour long uh, play. Mm -hmm. Do you know whatever happened to that? Because nobody seems to have a copy of that show. The only one that probably might might have it be the Gasmans. Yeah, I don't even. Yeah, I don't even know. I I haven't talked to them lately. Yeah, uh, but. I, I used to, I used to, I know them very well. Right, and that's about, the, if anybody's going to have it, it's going to be John and Larry. Yeah. Because I don't have it. Well, it's an interesting show because mm-hmm. it's, um, it's very similar to uh, a rocket ship from Manhattan. Right. The only thing I have from Lacey in my collection, it, it, is a part of the Judy Garley special she he used to I re- do. Yes, I remember when that I remember when she died. Yeah, she did that in the, what sixty eight. Sixty nine, yeah. So, but anyway, listen, I'm very glad to talk to you guys. And um, well, you need to send Patricia an email that way she can send you your uh, have you pick out what you want and she'll start send you a CD here. I'm pretty good at ferreting out unusual shows, um, but sometimes you guys really back me into a corner. Are there any shows in particular that you've been on the lookout for that I could perhaps? Well, actually, not not really right now because I, I am, in some senses, I've kind of. I mean, I look at at you know whatever is out there, and I look at the at the archive site and try to download that stuff. But but I really don't know, you know. Uh, you know, I'm kind of stumped, but but you know, actually, I mean, the shows are 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 not as important as as actually saying hello to you guys and and uh, thanking you for what you're doing on the show because I've been hearing about the light your live show for a long time and have just not been you know around the the computer at the correct time to call in and all that so. Well, boy, I'm sure happy that you managed to do it tonight, and I'm really delighted that we got to meet you and talk with you. Well, actually, like I said, uh, John and Larry, um, who, who, interestingly enough, you know, I have actually known them, uh, you know, telephonically and whatever for years, but then just finally met them in person a few years ago. Oh, gosh. Be, be, um, of course, as a, as a blind person, of course, you know, whether you're writing with somebody or talking to them on the phone or whatever, it's it's pretty much the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so, but, uh, yeah, if you if you want to give me um, uh, your, you're Patricia, right? I am Patricia. You want to give me your email address? Sure. It's Florida Writer, W-R-I-T-E-R. Florida Writer. Florida Writer. Okay. At Hotmail. At Hotmail. Dot com. Dot com. Okay. That's me. Okay, I will send you. I will send you a note and. Uh, Please do, because Patricia has other places she goes to besides archive.org. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. No, I. I will send her. I'll send her a note and, but, because I mean, I mostly like I said, my, my original interest was really the, you know, like the the suspense, escape, horror type. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, what I, the last shows that I was actually looking for was I got a version of the Corsican Brothers, the Australian series, but it only went to up to episode 39, and I know it was 52 chapters. <laughs> you know, one of those George Edwards um, things. Because I also, uh, I'm an English major, and uh, so, of course, I went to, to uh, Gutenberg to try to find the novel. Mm-hmm. Well, there is no, I could not find a novel called the Corsican Brothers, 
which I don't quite understand. Uh, but uh, that, that was the last show that I was actively uh, looking for. Um, if you could help me with a little bit of information about that, I have a couple of people on a British site who kind of look out for me, and they have uh, some unusual collections of Australian and South African radio shows. That's, yeah. Well, so if you could give me just a little bit of information about that show, I will go to my buddies over there in England and see if anybody can dig up a couple of more shows for me. Yeah, because interestingly, South Africa did a, uh, South Africa did a version of Nightbeat, which I've only actually heard four shows from. Uh-huh. But uh, I guess it ran for about six years. Because the, the one of the shows that they had was the last show of this uh, South African Nightbeat, and it said, "We've glad we have are are glad that you people have listened for six years." And if you know, I mean, and Nightbeat ran, you know, only what four years or whatever in um, in America. Mm -hmm. These are totally new uh, scripts. They're not the same. They were done by the same lady, and I can't remember her name that did the clock. And um, she, you know, would take the American-type shows and re and get them um, get new scripts written by, uh, I guess, South African uh, writers or whatever for these shows. And one of them was Nightbeat. How interesting! I've got a fair collection of um, Sherlock Holmes from South Africa and a couple of other shows that came over from Australia, and my gosh, are they good. Yes, the, the Australians had a, a number of serials, uh, Dam Busters and uh, Comes to Mind, and somebody had a, uh, a pretty good-sounding copy of A Float with Henry Morgan uh, about the pirate. Uh-huh. And um, so, yeah, there's there was some really good stuff from Australia that... And of course, you know, every everybody knows that, that Canada was one of the great places for shows, mm -hmm. but they ne they never released uh, much of their material, so it's very difficult to hear Canadian OTR. I have heard that in so many places, Kurt. Well, then what is the problem with that? Not what is the problem? I mean, people are entitled to keep whatever they well, have. Well, I don't think so. America, I think with exception, uh, uh, the rule of deception that they kept a lot more than other countries did. Uh, they just didn't keep a very well good archive. So it's not that they are not a sharing group. It's that they don't have... They didn't appreciate what they had it for many years. Didn't keep it. Right. They don't have anything to share. Right. Because they actually were producing uh, radio up mm -hmm. until just a couple of years ago. And, of course, you know, they're still doing, like, readings and stuff as mm -hmm. podcasts now. Um, if you look at the, at the uh, Canadian website... Um, Radio Canada website, they do podcasts. Um, of course, you know that material is abridged, and you know is that they that they read. I, as far as I know, mm -hmm. but they were still doing. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of their mystery show, but uh, as of a couple of years ago, that you could hear on shortwave. But even when you could hear it on shortwave, you couldn't hear it much of anywhere else. Uh -huh. It wasn't on the internet that I could find or whatever, and so. And I, I guess, you know, obviously because of the budget, they cut way back on their radio stuff and, and um, 
really. I mean, it makes it makes it so easy. And I just made one for Mac, so I sent Patricia a demo of that. So it's a good, it's a really highly recommended. Uh, and the nice thing about it, everybody, it doesn't tie up your computer. You can record it and have it record silently, and you can still do other things. And you can record, you know, like three or more, depending on how many, you know, on your computer, you can record three or four shows at the same in time. And, and it doesn't tie up your computer, and you're not even aware until you're ready to listen to it that right. it's doing it. I mean, it's, it, it will record multiple streams yes. at the same time. You're just doing your business on the... Um, right, and the nice thing about it, you can schedule it ahead of time. You can make out a calendar for a week and say, okay, I'm going to record this show on Monday, this show Tuesday. Just set it all up, and it'll record it for you and put it in your files. Yeah, and if you know if you know when the shows are on, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's really... It's, I mean, it's like a, a VCR for the radio. And, uh-huh. and Just the analogy I was going to use. Would you repeat, please, the name of the program? Yeah, it's it's a replay. Well, there's the replay suite. Is uh, is um, is the, is the that's kind of the whole thing. Um, because it also has some music applications that I really don't know much about. I know about the radio part, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's the replay. It's Appley Incorporation, but I'm not sure how that's spelled. I think it's A-P-P-L-I-A-N. Right, dot com. I've got it. A-P-P-L-I-A-N. Dot com. And, and if, you, if you just put, I just typed in replay suite in Google, and everything I needed came up. Right, and, and you can buy the whole passage, which I did, or, or just buy bits and pieces, whatever you're interested in. So if you're a serious collector and you really want your ears in more than one place at a time, yes. this is the route to go. Oh, very much. And it's, uh, now it's what you're, what's coming down, what you hear up there is what you wind up with. There's no um, artifact. There's well, actually, uh, that's true. But what you need to be aware of that once you, when you set a show up, you will not actually, unless you actually go in and and um, and uh, tell it. To play it out loud, you won't hear it as when it's recording. It does. That's it. Does it all underneath? And that it has to do it in the background if you're pulling down three and four at a time. Right. And so, so you will. Like I said, you won't hear it when it when it's doing it. So you have to kind of test things out and make sure you know that you've got the your your time set correctly and your frequencies and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And if you want to, you could listen to it and record at the same time. Yeah, you, you do, can. Yeah, you do have that flexibility. You, you can, but it actually makes things a little bit difficult when you do that. Mm-hmm. It changes things. It makes it, the changes that it, that it does when you do that make it a little bit difficult to to do other things. So I like to use it to record our show, and I like to use it to record Chuck C. Show, Swing Your Show, because that comes here from five five to ten in the morning, and I'm in bed. Right, right. You know, so it works out great for me. Well, I've taken up way too much of you guys' time, but no, we love having you call in. It, you are an interesting guy. You made our evening enjoyable. Well, I, like I said, I mean, I I pretty much you know uh, I've been collecting radio for years, and as far as all this other stuff in terms of the reading that I do and all that other stuff. It's, um, I read, you know, quite a bit of, uh, of whatever. And so anyway, uh, I will write Patricia a letter and I thank you both. And 
I shall be listening. Well, thank you for calling in, and I'll do my best. Okay. I'll put on my detective hat, and I'll okay. out there. I'll ferret them out. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks, okay. Kurt. Bye-bye. Bye. You think she wears a Sherlock Holmes hat, everybody? The one that stands on the ears? Hmm. Yes, yes, she does. Hmm. 714-545-2071. Give Sherlock a call. She can well, snoop. I don't have a pipe. She can snoop out so anything. In old England as a peep. You know, you think she played the violin, though? <laughs> no. <laughs> she does not. She does not <laughs> sing. She does not play. And I think everyone who is listening owes me a dollar for not doing it. Oh. Uh, yeah. So, but she might have a chemistry set. You never know. <laughs> yeah, my little magical chemistry set. What would you like me to whip up tonight? I don't know. What, what do we have in our treehouse? You got me now. I see. Oh, um, we've, got, we've got loads of stuff in our treehouse, but... Um, how about sirloin steak, smothered in onions, as Lucille Ball would have ordered on the suspense show. But she ordered on meatless two things, so she didn't get her... Steak. I remember that. And uh, what was the name of that show? It was. She was really very good in that. Oh yeah, I, it's one of my favorite suspense. I mean, the, the ten grand. Mm. The, the ten grand, ten right? Ten grand, yeah. Seven one four five four five two zero oh, seven. If you have ten grand, we're not going to charge you. You can give us a call. <laughs> if you have a grand, we're not going to. If you have a dollar, we're not going to. We're not going to charge anything. No. We're not going to charge anything. Well, I've got stuff tonight. Are you there? Stuff. Oh, okay. Stuff. Can you hear me? Stuff. Hello there. Hello there, stuff. Walden? Yes. Are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes. I'm, you weren't answering me. <laughs> I right too. You were saying what? What? I was trying to distract you. Well, you did. You succeeded. You know. As, as part of my loving way for Patricia, see if I can get, give us, make a smile. Well, okay, you're forgiven. All right. Okay, I've got stuff tonight. Strawberry, chocolate, vanilla? All of the above. Good. What do you got? And when I go to the, to the supermarket again, uh -huh. I'm going to time my trip to the supermarket and get two for the price of one on ice cream, and I'm going to get, um, I'm going to get some more with lumps in it. No. Honest, I... it was really very... <laughs> Patricia. I know. Patricia. <laughs> what happened to my Patricia? I don't know. For anybody who knows I don't like lumps in my food, I actually bought ice cream with lumps in it because it was two for the price of one. And it's really a very good brand of ice cream. And so I bought two. And one of them was butter pecan ice cream. So it had lumps in it. It had pecans in it. Pecans, pecans, I don't know which is the correct pronunciation. So if we order a pecan pie, <sighs> let's see. That starts out with three cups of calories, 14 cups of sugar, and maybe a little moisture to mold it. <laughs> pecan pie. Pecan or pecan? Pecan or pecan. What's the difference? Well, there isn't any difference when you eat it. Yeah, but when you pronounce it, there's a difference. Well, I've always said pecan. You did? Who, who out there says I, pecan? I think I think I know it by pecan. Pecan pie? I want to say... You, you eat pecan pie. Do you yeah. eat pecans or do you eat pecans? Pecan. You eat pecans? Uh-huh. Hmm. You say tomatoes or tomatoes? Yes. I say potatoes or potatoes? Yes. Let's just call the whole thing off. Nah. Nah. I want to do that. No, no, no. We do have a theme tonight. 
Boom. We are talking about memorable ads, advertising, commercials, those kinds of things. Walden and I were talking a little bit about this last night. Memorable commercials are fun, but they're not necessarily good for sales if you don't remember which product or which sponsor's product is coming off on the end of the commercial. Of a couple of things, do you do you remember correctly? Where's the beef? Which uh, hamburger place was advertising? Where's the beef? Uh, I would say Burger King. You had to think about it. Yeah. It was Burger King. It's not a very good ad if I had to think about it. It, it, That's exactly the point. Everybody loved little Clara Pell who Mm -hmm. stood there and said, where's the beef? Mm -hmm. And she'd open the hamburger and say, where's the beef? Mm -hmm. And they were advertising Burger King. But Burger King was absent from the commercial until the very end, and everybody remembered Sarah, um, Sarah Pell. I just said her name, Clarapel, not Saratel, Clarapel. Everybody remembered Clarapel, the little lady who kept saying, where's the beef? And in that sense, it was a memorable commercial, but the product wasn't memorable. People had a hard time remembering what they were selling. Have it your way. Um, That one? I do not know. That was also Burger King. That one did not make it to me. Make it, I never saw it. Have it your way, have it your way. Mm-mm. And, and, and it was a song, have it your way, have it your way. Nope, never reached my ears. It was uh, it was a campaign that was on for, for quite a while. They have just, I just saw for the first time a Burger King commercial today that is emphasizing have it your way. But it's clear that they're talking about Burger King. They're talking, they, they were talking about uh, would you rather have something that's got your ketchup already squirt on it, or would you like something? And the only thing that you saw was this big hamburger getting built with hamburgers and onions and tomatoes and lettuce. And the emphasis was you can have anything on this you want. It doesn't come pre-cooked, pre-wrapped, pre-served. You can have you can have it just the way. At the end, in between the two halves of hamburger buns was the big word, or the two words, Burger King. So if I could say, okay, just give me a sterling steak, smother and onions inside that bun. And they, 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 you can have your hamburger your way. <laughs> Who's on the phone? Hello there. Hello, Walden. Hello, Patricia. Hi, Jim. How you doing? I oh, never this is the earliest I've called in a while. No, My gosh, Jim. Did they let you out? Why are, why did they let you loose with a phone? I, well, they, I guess they decided other things came more important, I guess. <laughs> But I wanted to call because if I remember right, the song went something like this. I know one of the lines was, hold the, lickle, hold the pickles, hold the lettuce, special orders don't upset us, was one of the lines. You're absolutely right. And I think there may have been one other, but I, I remember hold the pickles, hold the lettuce was one particular line I remember. Did you remember that it was Burger King? It was Burger King. You did remember? Yes, it was, around, it was in the early 70s. Why doesn't that surprise me that Jim would remember <laughs> You, know, I, I, you are the encyclopedia of everything, Jim. I can't remember, you know, the really crucial things in the world, like yeah. what our monetary policy is. Yeah. But I do remember commercials. <laughs> P 
people remember commercials. I was doing some digging around on websites. I was looking for information uh, about ad campaigns that David Ogilvy put together. Ogilvy and Mather was one of the, it was probably the premier advertising um, organization and ad, uh, marketing and advertising company out of New York City, and he is still, I, the man died in 1991, and he is still considered the guru of advertising. Mm -hmm. And he had some really interesting rules, and I was out looking for some examples of his work. I mean, the man has been dead now for, what, 12, uh, almost 20 years, 20 years. So, um, and obviously advertising keeps rolling, but one of his clients was um, Rolls-Royce, Another one was Dove Soap, and he had some really interesting principles. Nobody ever forgot what product was being advertised when David Ogilvy put together a campaign. There was a lady, too, not the soul singer, but there seemed like there was a lady in New York in the late 60s named Mary Wells who did advertising, and I remember Newsweek did a profile on her in uh -huh. the 60s, and I can't remember what her commercials were. One of them may have been Alka-Seltzer. There may have been some... I know she did... One of the airlines, their commercials. Uh -huh. uh, and, you know, those, what you remember about, do you remember the, how the Burger Chef come out? Do you remember Burger Chef? No. They were a General Foods company that General Foods owned for a while. They had drive-ins around the country. And I remember one of the lines was, people on the go, go Burger Chef. And people know they're going to get fine quality at Burger Chef. Interesting. Was that a nationwide? It was pretty much, yeah, Burger Chef. They had 15-cent hamburgers like McDonald's did. Huh? They had cheeseburgers. They had shakes. Fifteen? Why didn't, well, yeah, McDonald's started out really quick. I remember McDonald's having 15-cent hamburgers. Wow. Um, Why did they flop? I don't know. I, I, one time a few years ago, I understand for their 50th anniversary in the, in the, uh, I think for their 50th or one of those anniversaries, they actually did have 15 cent hamburgers that weekend. Oh gosh! Oh, see now that that I needed to have that on my list of free foods and free ice cream. And I remember. I know McDonald's tried a number of experiments that did not work. I mean, they, for a few years, they actually offered fried chicken in the early 70s. Oh briefly. my goodness! Oh, oh, that's heretical. Wow, I didn't. You can't be a heretic and offer chicken in a hamburger place. But I love, you know who did, I remember what, occasionally what Kentucky Fried Chicken would offer, which I thought was wonderful. Was it the roast chicken? No. What? Barbecue ribs. Oh, I don't remember, of course I do remember McDonald's, every every year or two they bring out the McRib sandwich. Right, they brought the Mc, but, but Kentucky Fried Chicken used to offer occasionally barbecue ribs, it was outstanding. That is remarkable. When Jim was talking about... McDonald's serving chicken. Mm -hmm. My head went to. Can you imagine the Colonel serving hamburgers? <laughs> I, I guess ribs and fried chicken. They kind of go together, you know. They, they've, yeah. Well, well I know just, that, uh, they're a sudden deal, I guess. Yeah. I know Wiener Schnitzel, for example, does hot dogs and hamburgers, or they did anyway. Well, that that, that that's pretty good. Those are. Um, that's picnics there, so yeah. pretty good. Well, one of the things I was going to ask about ads tonight is, do you remember mascots? Uh, like, like what, what, what animal represented a ma what mascot represented certain products? Uh-huh. Well, I do remember the beaver was Ipana. Very good. I do remember, um, of course, there were dogs on a number of them, I suppose. Uh, Little Nipper, of course, was the dog for RCA. Victor, both their records and other things. You know, Little Nipper was the RCA dog. Uh-huh. I don't remember, uh, 
the Golden Archers were McDonald's. Did you hear they're getting rid of the Golden Archers? Are they're getting rid of is it the Golden? Is it is it is it the Ronald McDonald they're getting rid of as a symbol? Um, for some reason, they want to make it more. I believe that. I can't believe it. Yeah, well, I can believe that because Ronald McDonald is strictly for kids. What was their reason for that? Do you remember? I don't, I have not read that they were dumping him, but I would have dumped him a long time ago. Yeah. Well, that was the whole issue, you know, the Board of Supervisors in San Francisco voted recently to ban Happy Meals for kids. They get, don't I like, remember reading about that. They don't like food. Can you imagine? I mean, when I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but the thing is, you know, uh, I wound up kids about love it. those things. I mean, you know, you know, and, and you know, no kid is going to be, I mean, if you, if you ate McDonald's every day, that might be an issue, but... Do you know there's a school district out there that is restricting kids from bringing lunch from home? I've heard that. I heard it was no back. kidding. No kidding. They must eat what's in the cafeteria. They. <laughs> I, I'm going to lead a protest. I'm I'm on your side. You want to be president? Yes, mom. Mom, what mom makes for us kids, we can take to school. You know, most of a lot of kids when I was growing, going to school, kids brought their lunches mm -hmm. in part because some depending they would what they would do is they would print the week's menus in the newspaper, like on Thursday or Friday, what the menu was going to be. And then the kids would just decide on what days, if it was a particular item they didn't want, they would bring their own uh, food. But the, the, the board of uh, the school district, I guess, wants kids to eat healthy. But Yeah, but, you know, most families, especially when a lot of us grew up, didn't always have the money to send their kids. It was just easier for them to pack Bring lunch. a sandwich. Yeah, and also, you know, like... When you see the kid in a cafeteria five days a week, and you've got two or three kids in there, my gosh, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah, and you know, the thing is, a lot of times, you know, the food, you know, kids prefer, you know, their mother. I mean, I certainly would prefer my mother's cooking to institutional food. Huh? Even sandwiches. Mm -hmm. You learn how to eat sandwiches when you're a kid. And in a particular way, and made with a particular kind of bread... Mm -hmm. And you're going to con whatever condiment you wanted and what things sure. are favorite filling or meat or cheese or whatever. That. But I, I just about swallowed my teeth when I heard about the school district that had put down a law that nobody, no kid could bring a lunch to school. Maybe they wanted to take care of the deficit. Yeah, maybe so. That's a way of solving it, I guess. But they're, they're trying to bury it in, under the auspices of providing healthful foods for kids who ordinarily would not get them because they brought their lunch from school from home. Excuse me, you know? I mean, if I want my kid to have 18 apples a week, I will pack 18 apples a week in his little lunchbox. And I'm, and, you know, and I'm sure some kids would rather, and I, I guess they wanted to ban things like chips and... Uh, and uh, the, the um, soft drinks are gone in a lot of schools, and, you know... I don't know. I, I suppose there's some schools that even ban chocolate milk. You know, it used to be you could have a choice of regular milk or chocolate. Uh, yeah, so that, uh, a lot of schools have banned that as well. So uh, we, we are living in changing times. Okay, so we've got Itana the Beaver. Right. We've got Nipper for RCA. Let's see who else can come up with stuff. Uh, that was, I'm sure there's a lot of them. I'm sure there's a lot of them. Uh, but uh, I just, oh, by the way, before I forget it, Walden, how did the thing go today? It went fine, and I can I can give you a weekly Blondie question of the week. <laughs> oh, uh, well, I did what cast member uh, Blondie was in my show today? B Blondie was what? What cast member of Blondie 
within the show I produced today. Uh, Tommy Cook was it? Very good. You got a Barbie question correct. I'm proud of you. Well, good, and the, and, the cre and the recreation went really well. I'm glad you finally got to meet Dr. Mike in person, right? Well, I've seen him. I've met him in person many times over the years. He and I have co-host conventions. He's come out here. I, I've met him in person many times. Okay, but you, but you got to see Frank and Bob. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll give a complete rundown here in a bit. But, yeah, Frank and Bobby was there. Um, Norman Corwin was there. We had a cast. Uh, a lot of legendary radio stars going back to Orson Welles Mercury Theater back mm -hmm. in the 30s. Right. And up to today. And I think probably close to 300 people in the audience. Really? That's, that's good. Big, 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 big stuff. And they took they took care of my actors. And I'm very pleased about that. Right. When you, when you produce something successful like that, I know that always gives you a sense of accomplishment. Yep. It allows me to sneak out of town. Yeah. That way nobody can find me for a few days. Okay. Walton knows how to sneak. <laughs> well, anyway, I just wanted to check in with the with the Burger King ad, and I wish you all a wonderful evening. Same Thank you, Jim. Jim. I'm so glad you called. Maybe we'll talk to you later at your regular time. You give us a call. Okay. Okay, Jim. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yep. We'll talk about that whenever Patricia says it's time to talk. But, yeah, we had a good day today. 714. Five four five two zero seven one. Give us a call. We love. Did you say it was Tommy Cook who was in Blondie? Uh huh. He played Alexander. Okay. Well, you you and Jim said Tommy Cook, and I was talking, and I thought I probably trounced on some of your words, and I just wanted to make sure that that's that's but what you had said. That's what I said. We had to give Jim his weekly Blondie question of the week, and I think. <laughs> I mean, they they had Mr. Dithers and Cora Dithers and Blondie and Dagwood and Baby Dumpling yeah. and the dog. Yeah. Who else did they have? Well, when Baby Dumpling grew up, his name was Alexander. Right. And then I think they had a girl. They have a girl, right. And I don't know if the girl was born for the comics, the Sunday comics, or if she uh, she was not part of the radio show. I'm positive. How long did Blondie run on radio? I think from 39 to 51. Oh, my gosh. Maybe they did happen. Yeah, yeah, it could have happened. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I yeah. Don't, when did Blondie start in the comics? You don't know. I think pretty, I think somewhere in the 30s. I think about 34. Well, let's see. You just keep talking for a second. Well, today we produced a show at the Wilshire Grand Hotel for Michael Beale's group, the ARC, the Record Sound Archivist. Um, we had Norman, Cor we produced The Undecided Molecule, which was a uh, show done in rhyme. Michael Beals did a presentation on the history of Norman Corwin. And in the cast today, we had Phil Proctor from Fireside Theater, uh, also on Broadway Sound and Music. We had his wife, Melinda Peterson, who TV fans would know her from At the World Turn. We had Richard Hurd, who was from Seinfeld. And a lot of sci-fi uh, TV shows. We had, and then we got to a good friend uh, radio. Uh, for Ron, we had uh, Marvin Kaplan, who was the co-star of Meet Millie, the one that Patricia found for him. Uh, Meet Millie was both on radio and TV. Marvin Kaplan was in the, the great comedy movie, It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World. And he was in Adam's Rib with Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy. Uh, we had... <clears throat> Patricia's going to kill me, so I didn't ask the question. We had Norman Lloyd, who's only 96. 
play tennis every day? <laughs> Ask the question. <laughs> and, he, and he is part of Orson Welles Mercury Theater Group. He did Julius Caesar, the one on dress back in the 30s. He he was in this original show in, that we did today back in 1945. He was Alfred Hitchcock right-hand person who directed Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Uh, he was part of our cast, and Patricia always said, Wall, you need to ask the question, and I, I didn't get around to doing that today, Patricia. Oh, Walden. You know? And I need the answer this week. <laughs> you could use it, can you? emergency. <laughs> the no. question is, what do they eat, and what kind of vitamins do they take? <laughs> so, here's Norman Lloyd, 96, in a production of... Directed by 101 Norman Corwin, and they did the same show 66 years ago. Ah, anyway. Um, and both of them were there, and neither one, I mean, and Tommy Cook, how well Tommy Cook is a kid. By yeah, he's a, he's a pup. He's 80, runs around, he plays tennis, he's a pup. Uh, he, of course, he was Junior in Life of Riley and Alexander and Little Beaver. We had Dick Van Patten, who was in Duffy's Tavern, and most people know him and Mama in the TV series, and all the great TV stuff, and we had uh, Ivan Curry, who was Bobby Benson, he's the pup at 74, and we had Janet Waldo, Judy Jetson, and of course Archer, that was our cast. You, what, what do you call the women? The guys are puppies, or pups? Pups. And pups, he's just a pup, because he's only 112. <laughs> uh, um, what do you call a female? She's a kitten. I guess a chick. She, she's a kitten. Just a kitten. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, you know, kitten doesn't have the right connotation, I think. Well, anyway. Well, well she, I, we need a female who got who got vit, uh, vigor and vitality, huh? Yeah. Energy level. Yeah. Energy. High energy. Hello, Dale. You're on the air. Just call them girls. Girls? That could help it. Yeah, it's Kurt. Just call him girl. <laughs> Talk to you later. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's really interesting. <laughs> Kurt, I hope you're still listening. I was at a, a website today, and I pulled down some advertising information, and this guy is really funny. He makes his own videos, and they're, gosh, they're long, about 20 minutes long. And one of the things that I didn't listen to were... Uh, things that happen in movies, not in the movies, but as attached to movies that really drive him up the wall. And one of them is that they call women girls. <laughs> so that ties right into what Kurt just said. I, mean, I never really quite thought about it. Um, I, I would prefer girls over gals, but a lot of people use the word gals. I think... Well, let's see. What would be a good, what would be a good coin phrase for a, a, a woman, a female yeah, I, who it got? I think the phrase Walden is, "Gosh, you look terrific." I think you're probably right, <laughs> especially when you're when you're uh, when you when you you're over 21 and you run around and you put, and you put a, and you say, "How in the world she looks so good?" You know that photo she did in 1940 to him today, as beautiful as she is. My gosh. You know? Which I guess could imply for somebody who's really ultra sensitive, you really should look awful, but you don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Are we expected you to look like you just walked out of goodwill? I don't know. What, it, it's really peculiar. It, it's, it, it depends on the situation, I guess, and the person you're with. 
You know, and that's the beautiful thing about this radio hobby that we all love. <laughs> You know, I mean, we look at these, we look at these people and the treasure to us because we love what they did, and so many are, are wonderful human beings, and they got the vitality that say, boy, I when you know they're not sitting in a rock. Do a vitamin night. We <laughs> say <laughs> vitamin front heart. You know, it's a comic strip in uh, Dick Tracy. We want to know the the vitamins you take. <laughs> um, if you can get a group of people together with that as a theme, I want to be there. <laughs> I want to be there while you're doing it. I want to know what you are telling these people. Okay, we've got the Blondie comic strip here. What about old Blondie? What's news, what news over there? It's still going on today, I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Blondie comic strip started in 1930. Wow. Isn't that amazing? And it says in 1934. Mm-hmm. Where did I just see that? Cookie, cookie. Maybe that's the year why it sticks out in my head in 34, okay? Yeah, the, anon, the epidemiological comic strip. Blondie is a smart... Oh, what did I just see? Cookie. Say what it... Um, you just said that... Something and I'm yeah. Well, I think I was doing 34 in my head. I think it's, it's co-written by the son of the creator. That and would have been. I think Chick. Chick Young. Yeah, Chick Young, and I think his son still runs it today. And as for the Hearst, Hearst uh, company, the, the the syndicate that runs still runs a lot of the comic books. I forget the name of the outfit they call themselves. Uh, let me see here. Okay, Blondie does have a website. King Features? That's that right? Uh-huh. That's a Hearst publication. That King Features is ran the, ran the comic strips for, for Hearst. Okay. Well, Cookie joined the gang in the newspapers, in the comic strips, in 1934. Hmm. Interesting. I, so I, the, I wonder if Gloria McMillan might have played Cookie at one time. I don't know. We'll have to ask her. Hmm. Wouldn't be surprised. Well, I guess I could... Um, Go check the Golden Index. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. That, that, I don't know if any surviving shows. That would be the only thing that would not help us out, figure that out. But that we could. We surviving could. shows of Blondie? Yeah, there's not that many surviving shows of Blondie around. I have. I think there's only about, about 23 or so. Yeah, I'm, I don't think I even have 23. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I cleaned everything off my old computer. My old computer. My big computer. And everything is on discs, and I did not keep a record of how many shows. So I'm and getting, um, I think this is going to work. I'm getting an external hard drive. storage. You know, an external drive? Yep. Just for storage. It will not automatically back up. I, I can choose and drag and drop and keep it over there and pull and put it away. And it'll be two terabytes, so I should be okay with some. Um, yeah, I have one of those for what was one terabyte. It's nice to have. It is. So I think two terabytes, I might be able to get most of the shows yep. on there. I think you can put the Library of Congress over there. I don't know. You know, I mean, because some of these shows are, um, they use one and two gigabytes for a single show. That's true. So, you know. And speaking of the Library of Congress, they just hit the early times this week 
on the website now, I think it was, they are putting up a lot of uh, public domain audio material. Now. Really? Yes. How cool. Yeah. So, and they want to start to get more stuff out there. So that's good Good for all of us. That is very excellent. Yeah. 714. So talking about advertising, memorable ads, and in particular, if you remember any um, mascots. Now, I, I don't. Would, would you consider Speedy Alcacel, sir, a mascot? I would, yeah. I, I would, too. So it doesn't necessarily have to be an animal. No. Um, oh, there was a famous um, local car dealer here in t t town, and Cal Worthington is used to run all the late-night commercials. He's been here, like, in L.A. for 45, seems like 40 years, and he always had a dog in the commercial. Oh, really? Yeah, spot. So that's all you think about his commercial. At the end, you always see the dog laying on top of a car. Did the, did the dog sell? <laughs> I guess so. That's why we think about you know, it's <laughs> in a dog spot. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it blows me away when I go to a professional website and I see the professional not sitting at a desk, not on the phone, not smiling in a nice portrait, not in a casual shot but holding a dog, <laughs> little dust mop of a dog, and you're supposed to turn your entire life and all of your life savings over to these people who are sitting there cuddling this little dust mop of a dog, and they do it. Apparently, the dogs attract more than they repel. I'm not going to be one of their customers. I mean, it, you know, it, it just, it makes me nervous that somebody thinks that the most important part of the illustration is to show me that they have a dog. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. But apparently, it works. Dogs sell. Dogs sell. That people think they're cute. It gives uh, a down-home, I'm-just-like-you tone to well, think the add to the appearance of the person, and I suppose that makes sense. It just doesn't work for me. Well, just think of politicians when they have run for office. Think of the photo ops they have. It's always with the family. You know, they... Well, they family is okay, but to have a lawyer sitting there with this little poodle under his arm doesn't <laughs> just doesn't make it. Hello there, you're on the air. Good evening, people. Hello, Fred. Let me guess who this is. Um, it's the person who had a squirrel. No, I don't. Did. Not have a squirrel. Did. No, I don't have a squirrel no more. But you did have one. Well, I don't anymore. I know, but that's what I said. You had H-A-D. Oh, I thought you said it has a squirrel. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. No, had a squirrel. This is the squirrel man. How are you? Good. How are you guys today? I am fine, and he really isn't the squirrel man. This is Fred we're talking with. How are things? This squirrel's up on eBay somewhere. <laughs> Poor squirrel. I'm just all right. No, I'm never going to that. So what have you been up to? How is the weather? And uh, are you escaping all of this awful stuff that's just happening all over the country? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's nothing awful here. It was gorgeous all week. All week was beautiful. Sunny, 65, 70. And today we started our first day of... Well, all the way through Wednesday, it's supposed to be rainy. Just wet, rainy, and damp. But it's not too bad. Now, we're dealing with spring runoff with snows, and I know that you folks up in the, in the northeast really got hammered terribly with the snow. 
are any of your areas at risk of flooding when that much rain happens at the same time the runoff is, is happening? Yes. Um, How bad? We have uh, we have more flooding. I mean, there's always areas that flood, and that those are are definitely they're, they're higher than normal. You know what I mean? They're they're staying flooded longer than normal. Like we we have a couple of roads here, Brandon. They flood out every year. Mm. You can count on it. Every year they they flood out during this time. But they're it's happening earlier mm. now, so the roads are closed longer which creates a problem. Lake Champlain's at records high. Wow. Record high levels, yeah. Yeah. And we've had bad floods before. Uh, not where I'm at. I'm kind of in a safe spot, but um, there's been really bad floods in Vermont, though, the last 10 years. Wow. So I don't know. Hopefully nothing bad will happen. I, I hope you're in a spot that remains unaffected. We, the whole country, I say the whole country, such a substantial portion of the country has been hurt so badly by horrid weather systems coming through. Oh, I know. I wouldn't surprise me if we, if some place did flood, but hopefully not. Hopefully we'll uh, get through the spring and... You know, the thing is, it's just when it rains, it seems to come in just bunches. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't rain. It rains. Yeah. Well, I have something interesting for you tonight, sir. Okay. I have, I have a mascot, too. You're, you're really going to work for this one. See? I have a mascot, too. Say what? I have a mascot. Oh, you do? Uh, oh, good. Okay. A commercial mascot? Yeah. How about Morris the Cat? Morris the Cat is perfect. Oh, I love that. Okay. That's what back. happened to Morris? You can Google. No, Morris died and they had a replacement. How many Morrises were there? That's what I'd like to know. I think there were three, but I'm not positive on that. Okay. Do I have to go look? All right. Well, uh, listen, you can Yeah, yeah I think you should. Yeah, no. talking. I'll do my homework. Jeez. No. Don't worry about me. I'll be fine. Well, go ahead and keep talking. I'm looking for Morris the cat. <laughs> well, I'll guess. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to guess three. Well, those are great commercials. Morris. They were. Because he had that cat attitude. Well, also another one, speaking of dogs, I always loved as a kid, was the Chuck Wagon. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a good one. That's okay, let me write this down. Yeah. Chuck Wagon. And you were, you were talking about that um, last week. Uh-huh. I love that commercial with the dog and the chuck wagon. The dog chasing after the chuck wagon. Uh-huh. Of course, you got the S.O. Tiger. S.O. Tiger. I don't remember that one. Okay. Oh, tiger in the Tank? Yeah. Tiger in the Tank, yeah. And they had a face of a tiger that... Yeah. I don't know if it was the same tiger all the time, but... I remember, this has nothing to do with mascots, but I remember as a kid... I used to love that Sunoco commercial where they would shoot the arrow through the side. Mm. You know, you remember the Sunoco label it has an arrow, it has the arrow going through. We have a Sunoco station here, and I can't recall what the what the sign looks like. Well, there's an arrow going right through the side as part of their logo. Uh huh. And there used to be a commercial where they shot the arrow through at the end. I don't know how to explain it, but they did it, you know, with camera tricks. It looked pretty, I thought that was so cool. And I was just thinking, uh, remember in the 70s when Bing Crosby used to be the spokesperson for Minute Maid Orange Juice? Yes, I do. Yeah. 
and he owned the company, so you would think that's why you'd be the spokesperson for it. I wouldn't even remember that, though. I, yeah, I'd be thinking a spokesperson who thinks, thinks you remember it the kid. Yeah, I, I'm constantly going through uh, YouTube and stuff looking up old commercials. Mm-hmm. They're fascinating. They bring back a lot of memories. Um, now, Morris started, i, I got to jump in here because I have to change sites. It just says on this particular one, several cats have been there. But he's been around since 1968. And he, all of the cats that they had were from shelters. They rescued them. They didn't breed them. Oh, okay. And when you figure a cat life is it, I mean, a cat that lives more than 15 years is really in great shape, but I don't know how many years a cat can perform for something like this. So 1968, oh man, that's, that's more than 40 years. That's a lot of cats. Oh, is it still, he's not still around though, right? I haven't seen. Well, it says um, current, let me see, current Morris, don't go away. Uh, uh. It says, in 2006, Morris was depicted as adopting a kitten from the Los Angeles shelter. Over the years, the current Morris lives in Los Angeles with his handler, Rose Ordeal, O-R-D-I-L-E. Okay. So I guess he's still around. Let me see what else we've got here. I think of any recent commercials with him in it. Morris the cat, Morris the cat. Finicky about nutrition. Morris the cat. Humble beginnings. (laughs) I guess when you start in a shelter, that's pretty humble, isn't it? you wouldn't think he'd be very picky, would you? Well, he probably is. Oh, here's a cute picture of him with sunglasses on. <laughs> really cool. Okay. Doesn't find his lifetime achievements. Toured on behalf. Doesn't say how many. Um, all shelters. Doesn't say how many kitties. I'll have to do some working on this. They're probably still their official mascot, but I'm just thinking... I don't think I've seen any commercials, even Nine Lives commercials in years. I, haven't, I don't recall seeing any Nine Lives commercials recently. Yeah, me neither. So. Oh, I wonder why. Maybe they're just in that phase where they don't feel they need to advertise on TV. Companies seem to go through that. All right, now we've got oh. a profile from Morris the Cat. Let's see what we got here. It's amazing. This poor kitty has more websites. Than <laughs> <laughs> well, I can see where you have a big fan base. He's great. As far as if you, if you love cats, you gotta love Morris because he's got that perfect cat attitude. Oh, he does. He does. You know, like leave a message. I'll get back to you later. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, about me. <laughs> Morris the cat. Um, cat sounds, fact, doesn't, Morris the cat. I'm going to have to do a little bit of digging. Everybody's got little bitsy pieces, but nobody's got the real poop. We may have to write to the Nine Lives people. There you go. Yeah. Well, I do have a surprise for you tonight. Okay. Because Ron answered the Johnny Mathis question last week, but said keep the CD for another time, this is the other time. We have... A Johnny Mathis CD, brand new issue. It's his recent album, Factory Sealed, Factory Wrapped. Oh. Do you like Johnny Mathis? Yes, I do. Oh, you do? Well. I like his music. I don't think, I probably won't be able to answer a trivia question, but I'll try. Pretty rough. Trivia question, but I have faith. I'll try. The three-part Dragnet question. 
Oh, it's not even, okay. First, which city, I'll, I'll give you all three and then we'll go through them one at a time. Okay. Three part question. Which city was the setting for Dragnet? Okay. What was Joe Friday's badge number? And what was his rank? I can get two of them. I bet you can get three if you squeeze and close your eyes. Which city was the city? Los Angeles. Hey! And he was a sergeant. I know you. You know what his rank was. Oh, but the badge number. Wow. Okay. Badge can, number. Can I help? Can I help? Can I help? Oh. <laughs> uh, this is the one where I help Walden. Hmm. 84, 104. Oh, you're close. You got all right, you can you can give a hint because that really is a that's a common right, question. All right, Fred, you know you know sports. Yep. What? How many home runs did Babe Ruth hit? Oh, 714. There you go. You're all right. <laughs> Do you know? That is. It, the, the story goes around, and I do believe it because, it, I mean, how do you pick a badge number that it was chosen? The number 714 was 714 was chosen after Babe Ruth's home runs. And it was, you know, to honor or in recognition of the uh, 714 runs that he had hit cool. through 1935. So that this show started long after Babe Ruth finished his record, and they identified the badge number based on the number of home runs that Babe Ruth hit. Well, that is really cool. I never knew that. never did either until I started fussing around here, but that's what I came up with. And that's what you were uh, talking about, Walden? Uh-huh. You bet. That's really neat. Well, you just got yourself a Johnny Mathis CD, and when we finish talking and hang up in a little bit, Walden is going to tell us how we wound up with Johnny Mathis CDs to give away as gifts. Actually, you never not gifts. You have. Yeah, I have one other question for you. You had pardon? I have one other question. Huh? And then I'll hang up. Um, do they have this? Was this is your life ever a radio show? This is your life. Yeah. Yes, it was. Are there copies out there? Yes, it was. Yes, there are. Not that many of the radio show. The the first the audition and was done by. Um, Harry Von Zell, surprisingly, not Ralph Edwards. Okay. And then I have my neighbor across the street was on the show, and I have a copy of hers. Oh, okay. Her parents. She uh, was on the show? Yes. Oh, that's really cool. She was featured? Y yes. She was has a segment on the show, yeah. And, uh... How, how did... Why, why was she one of the people who was chosen? She was an... She, she's a, an she was an actress. Obviously, well enough known that. And she ma she married to somebody, and somehow she they put in the storyline. So I have the show. Yeah. We had it transferred. So I have I have this is your life. Uh, but I think the most memorable ones are all from TV. And uh, I think our buddy uh, Bill Washington wrote some of them. Okay. Part of his job. So there are some available then. Yes. Uh, I also wanted to ask you, I found out today, my, one of my best friends, he, uh, I don't know if you know who this lady is, I can't remember her name, but one of my best friends is a home care provider for mentally talented adults, mm, uh -huh. and one of the two clients that lives with them, they just got invited to a, this big Broadway play in New York, because the play is based on the life of this, this the, the lady, the girl that lives with him, her grandmother, 
And her grandmother was, after 25 years of being married, she decided to become a record producer. Oh my gosh! <laughs> One of the only female record producers successfully out there. Mm. And she worked, and she was controversial too because she produced with a black guy. Mm-hmm. And, and that was at a time when things like that just were not socially accepted. Exactly. Wow! And she was, and she was quite successful. I mean, some of the stuff, she co-wrote Soldier Boy, or that was one of the songs she did, or helped produce, uh, Luai Luai, uh, there's a whole bunch of them. And they did a play about her called Baby It's You, and it's opening on Broadway, and they got to go see it, being her granddaughter, they, you know, the producers of the play put her up, and... How exciting! Yeah, and I wish I could remember the lady's name. It's <laughs> um, really famous. Some kind of, uh... All right. Well, well, if we Google Broadway play, I bet uh, Baby Hugh, I bet we can give up, come up with the name. Uh, let's see. I'll just do a little. But, uh, yeah, this is your life. I like the ones on YouTube. That's with the one on Low and Hardy. Yeah, I love watching the old episodes, the old TV episodes. Yeah, but... yeah. Cordell Jackson? What's that? Cordell Jackson? That could be. Uh, let's see, NPR, um, uh, and you said she co-wrote Soldier Boy? Yeah, at least that's what Jim told me. She either co-wrote it or she produced it. And she worked with a black guy, and, and that was like a big no-no. Um, let's see here. Female producer, female producer. I'm looking for a soldier boy. Don't go away. Just keep talking. Just keep talking. We're trying to think of some of the other songs. So he played the soundtrack for us tonight. And there was a lot of the songs I remember from like, but they were like 60s. They were quite old. So I hadn't heard them in years. Uh, oh, Duke of Earl. Well, you know, and you know, if it's a success, it's it's not a cheap show because I was talking to a friend years ago, Eddie Carroll, about five years. They were thinking about taking this one-man show on the Broadway, and get the cost alone was going to be seventy-five thousand a week. Wow! Just to cover the union, so and that's just for a one-man show. So anything like a musical, just think with the weekly cost. So you know, it's got to really drive in tickets and revenue to cover the basic cost. Right. I mean, you know, you think that. There's some kind of faith there that mm-hmm. it'll happen, you know. Um, she, uh, I guess, she, you know, her, her, she, oh, who else? She worked with, uh, oh, the Shrell, the Shrell? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, and apparently how the Shrells got their start was her daughter was in junior high with the Shrells, the sisters, mm. the girls. Right. And knew they could sing and said, Mom, you got to hear these girls. And she's the one that gave them their start, according to the story he's telling me. That probably makes sense. And uh, what was one of their big songs? Uh, and I, I think Soldier Boy was a Phil Spector song. Let's see what else we got here. Broadway. Is there anything on the play, Baby It's You, on Broadway right now? Oh, that, that's the name of the play? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's baby, cool. Hold on. That's, yep, so we'll Google up the history of Baby Hugh. And just 
just opened. He just he went the the second night after opening night. Then he was there last weekend. What was the song that Sonny and Cher had with Baby in the title? Oh, um, I got you, babe. I got you, baby. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a good one too. Yeah. I guess. Um, baby, it's yeah, you now on Broadway. I miss I miss variety shows like Sunny and Cher. Dottie and Marie. Yeah, I miss that. Yeah, I do too. But there's something about Sunny and Cher when they sang together. Yeah. Oh, it was just. It was. It, it was a magic there. Florence Greenberg. That's her name, Florence Greenberg. That sounds right. Yeah. Yep. Soldier Boy, Duke of Earl, he's so fine. I say a little prayer, it's my party. My gosh, what a lineup here. Yeah, she, uh... Night, I met him on a Sunday. You know, like a record producer when females didn't do that. Rockin' Robin, twist and shout. Rockin' Robin. Not only were they not record producers, but they, they didn't, you didn't work white with black either. And she was doing both. Well, it's oh. Florence Greenberg. Well, yep. Inspired by the true story of pioneering music producer Florence Greenberg... Baby It's You features classic hits such as, and that entire lineup. My gosh, that's going to be. And you said they've already seen this, or they're going? Oh, they, they saw it. They loved it. They saw it already. It must have been hot stuff. I wonder what the tickets goes for. A show on Broadway now might be oh, big buck. Yeah, I mean, it is big buck. Uh -huh. yeah. And they got put up in a, they got put up in the hotel. The yeah. tickets were all paid for. That's nice. Um, I mean, because she was the granddaughter, yeah. you know, they put the whole family up. That's nice. I'm glad they did that. Yeah. A year's salary. When you're talking about a couple of people in New York in a hotel and a Broadway show and meals, good grief. Oh, and it wasn't just a couple of people. I mean, they had, you know, um, Marty was there. I guess all the grandchildren were there. I don't know how many she has, you know. Mm -hmm. Um. Um, I guess there was a, another group that got to go to opening night, the red carpet night. They weren't in that group, but they were in the group that got to go the next night, that Saturday, I guess, the Saturday show. But yeah, they, they fed them, they, they put them up, then cost them a, a red set. Yep. And all I had to pay for was uh, when I got those little tickets and those little booths that they have on the, on the streets, the pictures. Uh -huh. You sit in there and you put your money in, you get your picture taken. That's all I had to pay for the whole weekend. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking, the last time I was in Broadway to see a show, I think it was 1999. Oh, no, and, and Kitty sent me to a Broadway show, Dinner and Family, $175 a person. Oh, wow. You know, for a group of us. And we got there, it was for Lion King, and they didn't have our tickets for us. She was not too thrilled about that. Oh, I can't imagine. <laughs> I love, I love theater. I love live theater. Yeah. I'm constantly going around here. I'll look. I'll go to. Uh, well, we have a professional theater up in Burlington called the Flynn Theater, and they do some good stuff. But I'll go to like high school shows uh -huh. or college shows. Well, I would love to see something on Broadway. I I see it. I seen two. Kitty uh Kitty took me to a couple shows, and it, it's it's a great experience to be to see a show on Broadway, and. Uh, for years, Mom and I had season tickets out here in Southern California, so we saw the touring companies. And what I love, because, you know, everybody knows I'm such a history buff, I got to see the classic Broadway show that I only knew the music for, so I got to see the storyline that went with the music. Right. So I got to figure out, okay, 
Now I know why all these songs can showboat or all these songs in this story or this story, and it it, it helps those in. It helps, and it gets you gone in all those famous Broadway shows. Yeah, that's true. I'd love to see some. I'd like to see Grease on Broadway. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be. I mean, that was a great. I mean, I love the movie and I love the soundtrack. Well, well, I'll let you guys go. Okay, and you will have Johnny Mathis. Thank you for Morris. I never would have thought about Morris. Well, thank you for Johnny Mathis. I'm excited. Well, you answered the questions. You earned them. Okay. See you later. Thanks for calling, Fred. Have a good night. Good night. And Johnny's still going strong. He's been knocking him down since 1957. And I, for people who may or may not know, I was, very, I was good friends with Johnny's manager. And his wife used to run KNBC, which was Gene Archer's radio station. She was the, the right hand that everybody in the music industry owed her a favor. So when Bill first got me on the station, uh, Tess just called everybody in the world, and that's why they got on Yesterday USA. And her husband was Johnny Mathis' manager and agent for 40, 45 years. And so they would always drop ship me and say, hey, you want some for the listeners? And so, but the agent passed away here the last two, but this new CD, they ship it to me, and, and I called and thanked him. I said, hey, would you like some CDs for your listeners? And so that's what Patricia got. We got CDs that we will send off once in a while. That's a bonus question to you. And that was a big bonus question. You did very well. <laughs> Fred, you did really well. You get Gold Stars and Johnny Mathis. Mm-hmm. I have ticket prices. Ticket prices. 714-545-2071. All right, Patricia. Now, this is so at Broadhurst Theater. I'm assuming that's on Broadway. Let me see. What's it called? What's Broadhurst. Broadhurst. So you and I are going to go on a date on Saturday night. What am I spec- We're going to have to lay out here. Broadhurst Theater. I'll let you know in a minute. All right. Hello there, Carl. You're on the air. Hello there, uh, Walden. Yes. This is Charlie Kinder. And Charlie, we've been talking. We've been, been talking about you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You got anything better to do? No. <laughs> we've been on our wish list. We don't know what happened to you. I have a whole list of people here. And I keep saying, we haven't heard from, we haven't heard from, and you're on the list. You've been close to the top of the list, Charlie. Uh, Charlie in Seattle, right there on my list. That's nice to know, thank you. Uh, You were talking about famous animals and dogs and cats. This dog was not in a commercial. Okay. He was was on a TV show. You remember the name of the dog, uh... You remember in the Dukes of Hazzard? Yeah. uh, The guy named Boss Hog? Boss Hog, yes. I, I forget his deputy's name, mm-hmm. but his deputy had a, had a dog. <laughs> deputy dog? <laughs> oh, no, not deputy, no, not deputy dog. He had a dog. Well, that was a good one. <laughs> you know, deputy had a dog. Do you know the dog's name? No. You don't? I don't remember. Flash. Flash. Yeah. Wow. And apparently he was a mangy, the mangiest career. Uh-huh. Boss Hog was always, always yelling at the... It's the deputy, you know, get that dog. <laughs> what do we mean to flash? Flash, you know, this guy's the deputy. He loved old Flash. Oh, that's Yeah, I used to like to listen to the Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. I guess when you have a name Hog, you don't exactly have a show dog, huh? 
Not, it's unlikely anyway. <laughs> so how have you been? I've been, been staying well. Been able to sit up, take nurses. Been able to hold on. All right. Uh, and, uh, just got in here. I think I was talking about famous cats and commercials and stuff, dogs, and I thought, oh, i got to get in there. That's right. If they know, if they know about Flash. Well, good. So, what, you, what have you been still playing some music? What, what's been going on with you, Charlie, up there? No, I haven't. I haven't been playing any music lately. Okay. Uh, I've been. Uh, I'm trying to start a home-based business again, and uh, I've been trying to do that and trying to fight arthritis and fight my computer. <laughs> 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 well, uh, well, I can, my, my email is messed. Email is messed up right now. I'm in the middle of getting trying, get, trying to get it straightened out. Oh, I think that's. Frustrating, it's all heck, isn't it? To try to fix everything, just amazing. Say what? It's frustrating when you got a, when you got computer problems. You know what? Well, my fan in my computer got corrupted, and it kept rattling and making an awful noise, and I just I ignored it. Finally, one day it just died, and then my computer operated for a while, but it was so quiet. I thought, well, you know, I turn it on, and it was just just like it's quiet, and I didn't realize the damage it was doing. Yeah, it overheated. Yeah, and so I, uh, I had to have a. Uh, New fan, of course, it didn't cost much, but I had to have a, somebody put in a different profile for me. Yeah. And now the emails, emails kind of uh, resisting, so we're we're working it out. Good boy. <laughs> oh, but I don't have any, I don't have an email right now, but uh, I can listen to you guys, and I can listen to your website is. Um, I find it hard to get into. Uh, I find it, I finally made it, but uh, I, I I go to where it says listen live. Yeah. And I click. And I get this 365 live, 365 live, and I finally got in tonight. But um, I also can get you on the cell phone. I, I pick up on cell phone, my cell phone, once in a while. Okay, good. Uh, uh, like if I'm out uh, waiting in a hospital, waiting for a doctor's appointment, yeah. I whip out my cell phone and see what's going on. Yesterday, USA. There you go. <laughs> well, you guys take care, and I'm glad I got to talk to you, and uh, well, keep up the good work. Charlie. Yes. Are you in the market for a question so maybe I could send you some radio shows? Yes, and I want to put in one more ad, uh, comment. The, you guys talked about the badge number of Friday's, uh, Joe Friday's badge. Right. There was a show. There was a show there that they produced in it called Badge 714. Badge 714, no kidding. Yeah, there was a show that was produced. Uh, I'm pretty sure, well, I didn't, I didn't hear much of it, but I did hear, I did hear the title, Badge 714. That's right. Now, uh, it was, about, I think, uh, was that related in any way to Dragnet? I think it was. I think it yeah. was an offshoot. I'll be darned. No, I, I wasn't Bad familiar with that. Yeah, it's called Bad 714. It was an offshoot. I don't remember hearing much of the show, but I remember the title. And I knew the answer to the question when you guys asked that fellow. Well, good. Uh, well, Patricia got more for you here. I have okay? more for you here. Are you ready? All right. I'm ready. You're ready. <laughs> are, are, are you um, feeling smart tonight? Oh, I feel smart all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the longest-running announcer for Fibber McGee and Molly? Arlo Wilcox. Arlo Wilcox, it is. All right. Very good. Okay. Now, I've got your address, so you don't have to email anything to me, which is good okay. because you don't have any email. <laughs> right now, I don't know. <laughs> what kind of shows do you think you'd like? Uh, Evan Costello. You've got it. <laughs> hey, Abbott. Hey, Abbott. Sure. I have got it and Costello, and I am happy to share. Okay. All right. Yeah, You've got it, Charlie. I appreciate it. We've really been worried about you. 
Well, don't worry about me. I, I'm, 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 I'm still able to sit up and take nurses. I'm still kicking. Good. I'm glad. If you've got anything left over, send it to Walden. He's always hungry. Yeah, Patricia wants to know. She, she's taking a survey of people's vitamins, so she can share that with her. That'd be great. Share what? What, what kind of vitamins? What kind of vitamins you're taking? Well, I don't take any vitamins, actually. I, 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 everybody tells me I should, but uh, I feel good enough that I don't know I should take them. I try to eat enough, you know, the right kinds of food. Well, they say, oh, you can't get butter the food, but I, I, don't, I don't take vitamins. I guess that's the answer. Eat right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Charlie, thank you so much for calling. I'm really happy to hear from you. Well, thank you, guys. Well, and uh, say hi to old Bill and Mike. I will. I will, Charlie. I'm glad you're okay. Uh, didn't didn't Bill's didn't Kim's grandma die? Yes, yeah, she passed away uh, about two weeks ago. Today they had uh, the service. They um, uh, she was cremated, so they uh, cremated half her ashes in Texas today, and they're going to take the other up to Pennsylvania. Uh, but Bill, Bill did mention that uh, I heard him talking about that. Yeah, Kim's yeah. It, it's, it, it's it's very hard on Kim, you know. Okay, basically her grandma was her mom, who raised her, so. Uh, keep it coming, everybody's prayers and thought, because she it's going through a very mm -hmm. difficult time right now. I'm sure I'll pray for her. You bet. Tell her, tell her and be a high and tell Mike. I will. Oh, is, it, is it Mike Handy? Is that his name Mike Handy? Is that his name? Uh, Mike Handy, you bet. Okay, tell him hi, and uh, you guys take care, and uh, I'm going to talk to you maybe sometime soon. Charlie. Sounds thanks. good. Thanks, and good night. Well, thanks for the CD. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, good night. Good night. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Give us a call. We love the phone ring. It's ringing good tonight. Now, okay. Well, if you were packing up your family and going to see, you could plan on for the very least expensive um, ticket, one hundred and fourteen dollars. For a show. I'm pretty good. Hello there, you're on the air. Hi, Walden. Some additional information. Batch seven fourteen was the re-syndicated version of the television That's right. Dragnet. That's right. When Dragnet was on NBC, it was so popular that after so many episodes, I think the first year of it or so, they decided, Jack Webb and Mark Seven decided to re-syndicate it through independent stations and reruns and uh, in order to avoid confusion with the regular Dragnet series, they were re-syndicated under the title Badge 714. Well, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. They did that with I think, Because I think they were still running it. They were they still, were still running, running Dragnet. They were still running the new ones and resyndicating the old ones. Yeah. And they did that with several series where, where titles, where syndicated titles were different. Like, for example, uh, Wagon Train was resyndicated re while it was still on the network. It was resyndicated as Major Adams Trailmaster was one example. Wow. And let's see, what was another one? I'm thinking of another one where the title was re... Was re uh, That's amazing. Well, Captain Midnight, when it was re-syndicated, it was under the... T on TV, it was re-under... I think it was re-syndicated as Jet Jackson or something like that. And I guess that was to avoid confusion, you know, like with the network version. Sure. I never knew that. I never knew there was that many that did did it that way. Not that many, but that was... Uh, th those are three that come to mind. Mm -hmm. There may have been one or two others. Mm -hmm. But certainly, Badge 714 was, was, was the, probably the greatest example of it. That's really interesting. Now, today, we get reruns of shows that are still running. For example, yeah, everybody knows by this time I really enjoy NCIS. Yeah. A, a criminal, you know, a dog crime type thing. 
and it's still running. It's an active show, Bones the same way. But you can get these things on reruns on various stations, but they didn't change the names. They're all in, you know, you, you get reruns and you get runs. Nobody ever thinks of changing the names of any of the shows today. Yeah, and I think the rule now is, I forget how many episodes they need to have for a show to be rerun. Well, you know, it used to be uh, that sometimes you could get a show rerun after 20 or 30 episodes, but now I think they need at least a year or two to make syndication really profitable. Well, to making it that, and I want for it to get harder and harder, considering now that a new TV season is only 13 episodes for the whole season. Isn't that amazing when you think about I mean, I can remember... Back in the day, when I was a child, the TV season generally lasted 39 weeks. Mm -hmm. You might get 13 reruns in the summer, or or in some cases you wouldn't even get reruns. There'd be replacement series that would fill the summer months of different things, experimental series, things that might not that might become regular series later, or they might just be summer series. Right. So when they schedule 13 shows, that's 13 weeks. Thir you know, a little 13. Yep. 13 new episodes a year. Uh-huh. So where do they put them? They space them out. So, in other words, they'll, they'll run one, and then they'll run repeat for a couple of weeks and run a new one. Well, you know, you're gonna, well, that's you, my understanding. But you're going to get, you know you're going to get reruns over the Christmas season now. You know, basically, you, or you might run two or three in a row, and then, you, as Jim said, the holiday season, I guess, re, do reruns. Or and you'll, you'll get them maybe in, and also whenever uh, a big event is on, like let's say, say if the Super Bowl or the Oscars are on, the competing network will not do a new show. They'll just do a rerun of a show because they know, like for example, on Super Sunday, the network that's not doing the Super Bowl knows there's no point in even trying to do a new episode. Uh -huh. uh, like even with 60 Minutes, they will rerun a 60 Minutes show if the Super Bowl is on another network. Okay. And in the summer, you always get reruns of 60 Minutes all through the summer. I find it interesting that 2020, and I think Dateline, at least a few years ago, they were still doing summer summer broadcast. I don't know if they, you know, if they still do new broadcast in the summer. But 60 minutes, they do summer reruns. I, it's interesting. I think TV gotten to be so expensive to, to produce. You guys, you guys have guys hedging their bets. Uh, you know, they're copycatting other successful series, and then they're just spot placing the limited series that they're producing a year. Yeah. Well, the other thing you notice now is that they don't give TV series long to succeed. I mean, if you're not if you're not a winning ratings winner, in sometimes two episodes you can be canceled. Well, also, can't think how hard it is for people to find their favorite episode. I mean, in the in the in the old days you would look it up in TV Guide. Well, now that's really. In the old days, you didn't even have to look in TV Guide. <laughs> <laughs> Your show was always there. It was right. Deborah McGee and Molly. When it came Tuesday night, you at nine thirty Eastern Time, you just tuned in. Yeah. Exactly right. You never and you never had to worry. Would it be? Would it, it only on very rare occasions would it be preempted? You know, mm -hmm. I, I think in the whole. When did it, it moved to Tuesday nights? What in late thirty-seven, early thirty-eight? It was on Monday before. Monday before. Not I think by 39 is Tuesday, but I'm not quite sure. Yeah, there may have been only one preemption for, during the time from 39 to 53, not counting the summers when they were off, 
about the only time I think it was totally preempted was November 2nd, 1948, for the presidential election. The, the night. And then I always thought it's interesting that New Year's Eve of 46, they, That's right. they gave Fred Waring the show. I, I'm surprised they, they I'm surprised they gave Fred, Fred Waring the night off. We, do, we talked about that, and we did, um, I think it was just this past year, mm-hmm. we, uh, this, um, last New Year's Eve, we talked about Fibber McGee and Molly surrendering to Fred Waring on New Year's Eve, because I was looking for a New Year's show for our New Year's program, and there it wasn't. It was amazing. It just blew me away. And then in, even in 40 and 44, on the presidential election nights, they, they may have been interrupted for, there were election returns, I know, in 40 and probably 44, but the show still went ahead. That's why I thought the the, the, the election show of 1940 so cute how Fibber and Molly are running the, the election uh, voting pool and then they break away for updates. I think that's a, that was a neat site, a neat way to build a show around that. I think the only and, uh, and the only time I think Jack Benny was ever preempted on Sunday nights, not counting the summer. Well, first of all, there was the week when Carol Lombard died, and it was just like what a music right, show or and, something. Right, and Jack was so broken up, he just took that Sunday off. And then there was Sunday of FDR's death, right? Uh, when everything was canceled. Mm-hmm. But during but during the, all of his run at 7 p.m., it was it was continuous. Um, so that is, you know, that is just, uh, today, and I go, the other thing is, when you think of all the shows on radio that succeeded, it took time for those shows to develop. Well, mm-hmm. just think also about this. When Fibber and Molly or Jack Benny or got sick, other people helped out and paid shit for them. Right. Nowadays, they just would not even bother with an episode. It would be just a rerun. It would be a rerun, but I'm a Gildersleeve, uh, Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve filled in when when uh, Fibber had pneumonia. Right. And um, Orson Welles when Jack Benny was out for five no, weeks. Seven. I wasn't Gildersleeve. Not Christmas Eve, but the week before, wasn't Gildersleeve sick? Yep. Did a show without Gildersleeve. Yeah, they, uh-huh. the, the cast did a show without without. That's right. He had uh, appendicitis. Um, there was one with um, Amos and Andy. One of them was Fre- in the hospital. Yeah, Freeman Garden. Yeah. And, 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 they, and they just did the whole show, and they built it around. They were looking for Andy. They were looking for, yeah. Andy was... Well, the other thing you think about is these shows took time for audiences to develop. Suspense, for example, it started out as a summer series. Right. Unsponsored. Right. It took time for that audience to develop. Dragnet started out as a summer unsponsored series, and it took... They, they, they did the whole summer of shows before Fatima took over sponsorship, and even and Gunsmoke was sustaining, and it took months to develop an audience, and, and, and by giving it time, the loyal audience did. Now, a TV show, like I say, if you're not, if you're not a winner after one or two, you can be gone. Advertiser, if he bought a block of time the same time what he did, a 52-week contract, and that was money to the network, they didn't care about the ratings. I mean, long, long the sponsor was happy with whatever show they put out, it was on the air. Hmm. And we're talking about advertising tonight, so this is interesting that you touched on this. Mm-hmm. Was there, were they sophisticated enough in their, in their media buying that they looked at the audience as opposed to the numbers? 
so they knew, for example, that Fibber McGee and Molly was a family-oriented, or at least yep. couple-oriented yep. show. This was an adult comedy, and kids might have laughed at it, but it was mm-hmm. an adult comedy, and they knew that a lot of housewives were going to be listening to it, and therefore Johnson's Wax fit in very well. I think it's also an image. <laughs> they wanted a certain image, too. Certain sponsors wanted certain images. And so I don't know if the Hooper ratings took those, did that kind of statistical t- study for the advertiser. I don't uh, know. So we, we don't even know if they were sophisticated enough to to go beyond raw numbers. Right. Well, I, Lux, for example, happened the Lux during its Hollywood days, during especially during its CBS days, from, four, from, from its Hollywood days from 36 to 54, they just had that 9 p.m. Eastern Time Monday locked up. I mean, I mean, the ratings may have not been good for a particular movie, mm-hmm. but just the glamour of Hollywood yeah. kept that show going for years. Well, thank you, thank you, for, thank you for this. Uh, the uh, the Fireside, uh, the, the tire company, uh, Fire Firestone, Firestone, the Voice of Firestone, yeah, Voice of Fire. Uh, yeah. They they blocked in every Monday a classical music show. The Bell Telephone Hour, high music. That fits the image that they wanted. They didn't care. And the Railroad Hour, the same thing. Yeah, yeah. they didn't care. MB- for a while, NBC uh, bought, had the high-end, high-brow music to go against what Lux, uh, was, you know, Lux was CBS, and my friend Irma probably had higher ratings. But those companies wanted a certain image, and they bought, they bought a certain show. Right, and, and you know, there, there was a reassurance, to, I mean, when, when, like you said, when, when you knew what time a show was going to be on, you never had to worry, well, should I switch time, you know, do we switch times? It was it was just there, and you always had that um, assurance, and, and even in the times when the shows went away for the summer, the vacation shows even developed a, you know, an audience like, you know, the King's Man did their show in 49, mm-hmm. and I guess... Uh, didn't Ransom Sherman do one one summer? Correct. For, as a replacement for, for... Also, remember, the advertisers generally don't name him the title. Yeah. A lot of time, it used to be the Johnson Watt... Program. Pre- program present. Or the Lucky Strike Program of Jack Benny or the Jello Program. Right. It was never just called the Jack Benny Show. Correct. Right. In fact, when you write, when most people write it in their catalog, I think, like in the Radio Gold Index, I think Dave Golden, that's the way he lists. He doesn't he doesn't list it as the Jack Benny program. He listed it as the Lucky Strike program with Jack Benny. Mm-hmm. And other shows do, but a lot of people just list Jack Benny. And that's because of radio in the twenties. Hard sell was not really allowed in radio. Yeah. And so, in order for advertisers to get get around that rule. They just put their names in the titles. So if you look at the radio show back in the twenties, you'll you, you will see the the you know the, the title of the company, uh, the sponsor in the title, and that's how they got got away with it. Well, and you know when when, when you think about it too, it, it still amazes you that uh, you know people people stayed loyal. I mean, even at the end, I'm, I mean, well, Fibber McGee's ratings, I'm sure, in nineteen fifty weren't what they were in say nineteen forty. There was still a loyal enough audience, although sometimes, you know, if a sponsor would leave it, I think the only reason Johnson's left it in 1950 is they wanted to pursue television, right? Was that part of it? They wanted That's to... my understanding. They wanted to take it and put it in TV. So, but fortunately, Pet Milk came over and and, and Reynolds was able to keep them mm-hmm. keep them going. But, uh, but they all had, uh, and, and even Bob Hope uh, switched from Pepsodent to Swan, and it, they, it was another Lever Brothers product. Mm-hmm. They were both Lever Brothers products at the time. Correct. 
but um, but but the sponsors were loyal and they and they they stayed with the audience and it kept uh, it kept the shows going. Of course, today there's no television show that's unless it's the Hallmark Hall of Fame or some special. There's no television show sponsored by one sponsor anymore. I don't think. Oh, I don't think so. I haven't seen one of them forever. The last one I remember that had a full-time sponsor, and this was way back in the late 60s, early 70s, I think Bonanza was exclusively sponsored by Chevrolet. Uh Uh-huh. Once in a while, you'll get a Christmas special, but on a regular basis, a a series? I don't think so. I think Hallmark Hall of Fame does like, what, three or four shows a year. And and they number them. You know, when you watch the Hallmark Hall of Fame, they will say this is the 550th presentation or whatever number they're at now. That started on TV, you know, way back in either the late, in the early 50s, late 40s, early 50s. And they number the shows now. Well, we we were talking a couple of minutes ago about building loyalty and building an audience and radio stations sustaining and advertising, sustaining meaning they didn't have an advertiser. <clears throat> Excuse me, which was a term I didn't understand for 122 years. Um, Fibber McGee and Molly had, they, they weren't particularly well received in the earlier times, and as Walden has said so many times, Johnson's Wax just stuck with them. And eventually it, it evolved into the show that we just know and love today, but boy, it sure didn't start out that way. I think also a blessed the way radio was structured. The networks were structured to be on the air about 18 hours a day. So either they either had commercial covering those hours or else they just put programming up there. Uh-huh. Yeah, and the, low, the bulk of the days, if, you, if, you were, if your station was a network affiliate, the bulk of your day was network. Mm-hmm. There was, you know, the, the only hours of local would have been early in the morning, uh, late at night after like 11 p.m. Eastern time and uh, – Certain segments, but you you know most of the day was 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 national programs. Yeah. And you just got you know and you got that continuous flow and of course then the I'm sure of course there were local spots in between the network shows right. and the local stations that I'm sure helped. And occasionally, if it was a sustaining network show, the local station might be able to sell an advertisement for, for a local show so overran it. But then also another thing that Chuck Shaden pointed out, and I did not know this until I heard him mention it. In Chicago, anyway, if it was a sustaining show, the network of station did not necessarily carry it. He played a Columbia workshop once, <laughs> and he pointed out that WBBM in Chicago did not carry it because uh, he looked at the schedule, and if, if WBBM chose to carry a sponsored program, a local sponsored program, they would carry it in preference to a network sustaining show. Yeah. And I guess in New York, I don't know what the situation was in New York, if the flagship stations of the networks had that same policy or not. But yeah, because you listen to the, uh, the WEAF stuff, kind of with local broadcasting. Yeah. Like, for example, Mary Margaret McBride was never national. That's right. It was strictly, wasn't. I did not know that. Yeah, I did not stri- know that. It was strictly a local New York show. How did she get to be so well-received and so famous? I guess because... Uh, the the state, some of those states in town, New York, uh, were so powerful that people must have heard them out of state. And then the sponsors, you know, she was sponsored by just about everybody. Right. But well, she went to ABC after she left NBC. I think she had a national show. But there, certainly during that forty-five, that that like the one we all have. Right. Everyone has a Fetty Rickenbacker. That was only heard locally. Yeah. And if you think about all the famous morning shows uh, that we all texting, drink, all those were all New York shows. They were never. Uh, Dick and. Uh, 
Bishop Colmar and Dorothy Kildown. Yeah. I was all local. And then Gene Rayburn and Finch. Yeah. Was a local show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the, oh, the Fitzgeralds were local. Right. And remember, some of those radio stations, because we had Clear Channel, so like WLW out of Cincinnati, two thirds of the country from 34 to 40 could hear it. And so Moon River, the famous poetry show at midnight, would introduce a lot of famous singers, or like Doris Day had a run on there. Uh, a lot of they were heard through two thirds of the country off one sta- off one station. Now, when you talk about Clear Channel, you're talking. Don't mean the corporation, folks. I beg your pardon. We do not mean the corporation, folks, that own stations now. I'm telling the audience that. When when you're talking Clear Channel, I'm assuming you're talking about a Clear Channel, so that when one broadcast was was happening. Somebody 150 miles away was not broadcasting on the same frequency. Right. Correct. Okay. The other thing, when you think about it, as popular as a legend as he was, and I guess part of it may, may be because he made phonograph records, Uncle Don, as popular as he was, as I understand it, only had a very brief mutual national mutual show. Most of his popularity came from his local WOR show. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Well, well I have a surprise for both of you. Yeah. Taking a right turn here and, and going back to Sibber McGee and Molly. Yeah. The original shows uh, from April 16th to July 2nd, 1935, mm-hmm. were on Tuesdays. Right. July 8th, 1935 to March 7th, 1938, were on Mondays. Right. Okay, read that again. You think the original was, just, uh, was on a July Tuesday? July 8th, 1935 to March 7th, 1938. Three years. We're on Monday. On Monday. Wow. And then they went to... I think it started its Tuesday 9.30 spot in 38? Uh, in 1938. They started, yep, on Tuesdays at 9.30, and they stayed there until they went to the 15-minute shows. And also, at one point, they were on the NBC Blue Network, I understand, at one point. No. They weren't? Blue Network, they started. I'm surprised they were on Tuesday um, at the beginning. NBC Blue Network until 1936, um, and then NBC in 1938. They went to Red, yeah. You know, those early, some of those early shows from 35 are from WENR, WLS, which was a blue, blue station. Mm-hmm. I think it's so funny that the Johnson Wack Company was so smart, they just asked NBC to pick some shows after shows, even though they knew what they wanted. And it's like 30 yeah. some odd shows before they got what they wanted. Well, so, now, those, of course, what really left, when they finally settled down in Wistful Vista at the house, that's when the show, I guess, really started to take off. When they were traveling, it, it probably took a while to develop an audience in those early 35 shows. I'm, I'm, I would be surprised, and Walden, you would certainly know this, but I would be surprised if they had cultivated any kind of a regular audience during the time they started traveling early in 1935 through, I guess it was August. August. Well, uh, August, August they wound up uh, winning the house. Uh, well, Jim Jordan said the smartest thing he ever did, he asked for a 26-week contract. Yes. Oh, he did? Yes. Yes. He, he and, did not. And, uh, it really was a wise thing. Yeah. Because if they, if, if their merit and worth to an advertiser were measured for those first couple of months or with those first couple of months... They would have been out the door. Yeah. Now, what, day, what, what, what week did they win the house? August? Was it August? August 26, I think. 35. 35. Uh-huh. So let's figure this out. April 16th, so May, June, July, August. So 
So we're looking about the 18th week or so, I think. Yeah, yeah I think it was 16 weeks. I'm okay. not sure. Yeah. Um, but it, it was a very short time. And during that short time, the, the storylines were flat. They had Harlow Wilcox at all different, I mean, he was, he was filling up gas in their car. He was a salesman. Every stop they made, Harlow Wilcox was there. And it, it, they were, he was not written into scripts that complemented the script. He, his appearance was an intrusion in the script. I wonder, okay, this has been an interesting analysis. I wonder how they figured how to tinker with the show. I mean, they must have, Don Quinn and Jim Jordan every week must have analyzed, this is not working, that's not working, and they must have based it upon audience uh, input. Mm-hmm. It, the only way they could have kept on tweaking the show until they have something that worked. I think it was probably, it, it, it surprises me today that they actually put them on the road for those first several months as opposed to setting them up in a house like other normal series. The other thing when you think about it, what a novelty idea it was to let them win a house, because as we, as you mentioned before like on the anniversary show last year, by winning the house, that forever settled Fibber having to worry about making enough money to make ends meet. Uh, to, to make a mortgage payment. <laughs> to make a mortgage payment. But honestly, Jim, I don't think they had very many options because they set Fibber McGee and Molly as characters to be um, at lower middle class, if not lower class. They didn't have any money. She was a fishwife. He was a browbeaten husband. I mean, it was like they had come out of Hell's Kitchen in New York City. And they, they didn't have the wherewithal to buy a house how else were they going to get them to settle down if they wanted to? Right. Yeah, I mean, that they had so few options. So well, you, I'm not sure it was a stroke of genius. I think they probably had to settle for it. But you think about it, they were probably the very first 30-minute situation comedy show. I think you're right. It was mainly vaudeville and variety. Correct. Because, so yeah. for them, that's probably why they went with the, the moving slogan and kept with, uh, kept with the vaudeville theme. Now, I know the closet came in 40, and I probably have heard the story, but I missed it. Did you ever read how they came up with the whole closet idea? March 20th of 40? I don't know why uh, they came up with the idea. I'm not sure. It was just a, a gag. It was just quickly a gag, and it just yeah. took off. Yeah. For the audience, sure. <laughs> it worked, and of course it, it created that myth that many people today, many people today still believe they open the closet every week. All right, how many, how many times did the closet open? I think it was 100. You know the answer. I don't. I don't remember. 139. Something like that. Either 139 or 199. No, and they used under 200. Wasn't 199. Yeah. And they used the closet in all three eras of it. The 30 minute, the 15 minute. Did, did they even use? Did they use it on the monitor skits? I can't remember the closet. I don't recall, but I, there was no reason why they wouldn't. You know, one of the things that Walden and I have talked about. My thought is that people had this this image of the closet fixed in their minds repeatedly, even though the closet wasn't open, simply by the scripts that were written to include not that door, not that door, and they would go out the front door. People would hold their breath and say, oh, the character's going to open the door, and he didn't. But they were reminded that this closet was a mess, so it was always in the forefront, even though the door wasn't opened as often as people think. 
Well, the other thing you think about, when you think about, I think one thing that really helped the show, too, while, while the knock was funny, that doorbell was just such a special doorbell with those chimes. But hearing it every time, every week, you know, hearing those chimes. But that didn't come in until 41. Right, that's right. He got it as a Christmas gift, right? Right, right. It was a, remember, it started always with the door knocking. Right. With the door knocking, and the, um, the Johnson's Wax people sent them the door chimes and said, we're sick and tired of hearing that knock on the door. Here are some door chimes. And that's how they wound up with the chimes. I, I personally liked the um, the knocking better. Really? Really? It was more colloquial. It was, you know, um, and it was just down-home, earthy type stuff. Well, it was, it was certainly, a, as we as you, as you know, certainly a successful show. And yeah. I just wanted to bring that up, and I really, really appreciate it. And just wanted to bring that up about Bad 714 and the rest. And you all enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you. Sure thing. Bye-bye. Thanks, Jim. Bye-bye. You know, I grew up listening to the syndicated one film again, Molly Hunter Radio in the 70s, and that, that door chime, there was no other radio show in my memory listening that had that type of sound of a door chime. It had a unique right. door chime. An upscale door chime. They sure what? Except <laughs> that it came from the Johnson's Wax people. That's Hi. Right. Hello there, you're on the air. Hi, how you doing? Ralph, how are you? Yeah, real good. How are you guys? Good. Ralph, it's so good to hear from you. Do we have babies yet? No. <laughs> uh oh. The, the, the chicken, uh, chicken business on the back burner. Uh oh. What happened? There's just too much going on around here. <laughs> you have to. You know what? Parents can't do this, Ralph. Parents cannot say, "Well, we'll have the kid next month." You can't. Oh, that, that's true. You know, I mean, the baby is due. The baby is due. Where are my babies? For anyone who you know, hasn't, you know, uh, for anyone who isn't aware of what's going on here, Ralph is buying some chicks. They, you know, really baby chickies, and he's going to raise chickens and have eggs and be all happy and hope that the little chicks aren't all roosters. So does it cost you more when they hatch and they're running around and, and, they, and, they, and, they, and they have to feed them? Yeah, it's it's going to be a challenge. <laughs> You're too funny. I sent you an article about uh, a, um, an ordinance in New Jersey. Did you read that? Yes, I did. Really a hoot. Walden, it, and the, the person who posted this was a little bit late. You get stringers, they run around and look at newspapers, and then they file things on the wire so different newspapers can pick up these weird stories. But from a couple of years ago, a town in New Jersey passed regulations about chickens and roosters. Uh -huh. um, you, you can only have, I'm going from memory here, I think it was 10 chickens per acre, and you could only have a rooster for 10 days at a time to fertilize eggs, but then you had to get rid of the rooster, and if he made too much noise and somebody complained, you had to get rid of him sooner. Poor rooster. What? Well, you know, I mean... Did they put him in the freezer when he was uh, offline? I, I... I don't know. What do, you, what do you... I mean, what do you do? How do you catch a rooster? <laughs> you truck him from one farm to another? I mean, how do you... What do you do with that poor I thing? Mean, if, you, if you let... I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess you, you have... <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. What do you do with the rooster when he's finished doing his thing? Um, but I mean, really, when you when you when you think about it, if you've got ten chickens on an acre and you turn a rooster loose, how do you catch the rooster? Well, I mean, if, if maybe I'm crazy. If I look at a picture of a barn, that seems like they got more than ten chicken, ten, 
ten hens in Oak Barn. I know, but they, these these people were saying, well, I, you're right. I mean, they put them in an enclosure. They don't let them roost, run loose on an acre. Mm. But you had to have an acre of property in order to qualify to get 10 chickens. And I think the purpose of that was to make sure that you're not in a tight residential area where, you know, you walk out the door and you run into your neighbor's driveway. Well, actually, here in Coast Mesa, when I used to live at uh, 2391, three blocks away, my next-door neighbors, they raised chickens. Well, I, I can deal with that. Yeah, and they, and they really jumped the fence, so, you know. <laughs> I can't deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not. I and do I, not. And I, and I, folks, I live in, um, in, you know, just, you know, let, you know, square housing, in other words, not big old land. I mean, yeah. these, these are 1,700 square feet houses. Or yeah. Well, somebody must have complained about chickens in New Jersey and they yeah, township so. because the town council got together and they passed a regulation. Roosters can visit for 10 days a year. Was it every year, Ralph? I, I think it was, yeah. It sounds like yeah. they should have a rule like that about relatives visiting. <laughs> We've got visiting nurses, but I don't know about visiting visiting roosters. <laughs> Too funny. So, how are you doing? Oh, oh, real good. Everything's good. Uh, our weather's taking a turn. I, I thought we were uh, we're completely out of the the winter phase, but. Uh, not too far from us. They're expecting snow this weekend. We're supposed to get really? ra- we're supposed to get rain tonight here in Costa Mesa. So yeah, we got rain. You got rain. Okay. No snow, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now, see if you had your baby chickies, and you had to stay inside because it was snowing, you'd have these little chicks to take care of. Well, you know, I I can remember vaguely having them when I was a kid. My mother, my mother was very experienced at raising chickens, and I don't know. It seemed like we got the little, the little tiny peeps, and the next thing you know, they were laying eggs. Oh yeah, chickens grow fast. How fast? Well, then how how long did it take your neighbor's chickies to grow up? I I just thought they were always grown for crying out loud. I I I never noticed. Seems like they're always full fledged chickies. Uh, did you have a rooster there? Oh yeah. Oh dear. Oh yeah. Oh dear! Oh yeah, yeah. We well, you know the, the neighbor had all the chickens and the ducks. They had ducks. Uh huh. We had cats and dogs and rabbits. And <laughs> and so you know, they, if the rooster would jump, then then it was interesting to watch everybody chase chasing the roosters and who knows what all. You know. Folks in New Jersey would have hired moving vans yeah. for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Just get them out of here. Okay. Chicken maturity. How does a chicken mature? Very slowly. It takes about three months for a chick to grow and look like a mature hen. That's about right, yeah. Three months isn't a very long time. Well, they're supposed to grow quite quite quickly. I think three months is very fast. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder what the lifespan is of a chicken. Probably six months. <laughs> Um, that's interesting. Okay, chicken lifespan. You have to know what you're getting into here, Ralph. Um, uh, uh, I'm learning as I go along. <laughs> it says, um, one place says seven years and one place says 12 years. I'm surprised it's that long. If they grow that fast, you would think it'd be hard on the bod. Yeah. Well, we have a guy here in, in town who raises chickens 
uh, and sells eggs commercially. And every every year he gets rid of his two-year-olds because their their egg-laying capabilities drop off uh-huh. quite fast after two years. They will keep laying for years to come, but he just weeds them out and sells them off to people. I understand that my step-great-grandfather raised turkeys, 50,000 turkeys a year. Oh. And it was a great business because the turkey showed up in the spring. He took care of them, fed them. And then, uh, then they would come by and pick him up before Thanksgiving. And so he had to wear her off. And for the rest of the year until spring, they stood in the showers and tried to get this smell. <laughs> yeah, they were supposed to be real stinky. Oh, yes. <laughs> I guess 50,000 would do it. Oh, my goodness. I think five would do it, but 50,000. Good night, nurse. My dad said he probably the stupidest thing that the, he and the two brothers didn't c- carry on the turkey. Business. It was a it was a great way to make a living. Probably knock their sinuses out. <laughs> okay, chicken chicken is five to seven years, and it comes with the caveat that there have been some cases of chickens living twenty years. No kidding. Uh, twenty years is a lot. I that would be. Well, a, that's a lot. I didn't know they lived that long. Wow. I didn't. Well, five to seven years, you can plan on them running around in your yard. Wow. Oh. You know, well, I mean, this is. Well, I'd be here that long. Ralph, this is parenting stuff. I would have thought you would have flipped this up already. Uh, you have to be a well, I was almost ready. <laughs> <laughs> this other things came up, and uh, it's a good thing they came up when they did, because if I, if I had bought the chickens, I'd be in the middle of it now. And I'd not have time for the other things I want to do. Is everything okay? Oh, yeah. Oh, everything's fine. Okay. Well, since we're on chickens, I have a question for you. Since since we're on to chickens here, do you remember any mascots from advertising, radio or television? And when I say mascot, it doesn't necessarily have to be an animal. We decided, for example, that Speedy Alka-Seltzer was a mascot for Alka-Seltzer. Oh, I see. Uh... How about uh, Choo Choo Charlie uh, for... Uh, Very good. That's a cartoon spokesperson. That's good. Plenty, yeah. Well, I think it was good and plenty, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah. I can remember him. I don't know about any other ones. Hmm. I know a good... No, I, I've, uh, that, that's the limit of my knowledge. <laughs> I know a good one. I know a good one. What is it? Is somebody going to pick me? Yeah, you pick me? Yeah. N-E-S-T-L-E-S, Nestle's makes the oh. very best. Tom. Hey, Jimmy Nelson. Farfall. Farfall. for for Nestle's, yeah. Yeah, you remember I told you that I used to be his laundry man back in New York? That's right. <laughs> we did talk about that, and you and you said that you were able to get in touch with them. I did. I called it. It's so nice. That's so cool. Uh, you know, They're I, always very I, nice people. I think they were sincerely happy to hear from you. They're just those kinds of people. They're just like that. Uh, you know, I, I used to deliver to them, and I used to stand at the door and talk to them for uh, pretty good lengths of time. And it wasn't like they were too busy to say hello. Uh-huh. Did you ever get... They're always that way. They had six kids. Well, they had, I think they had two boys when I when I used to know them. Well, I know she had kids, he had kids, and they had kids. So 
So it was uh, yours, mine, and ours type thing that that got together. Ah. Yeah. So it it was it was quite a full house. Well, I wonder if the, the, what happened to the laundry delivery business. Did when did that sort of fade out? By the sixties? When did when did that whole thing no longer? Well, I was in, I was in it for about uh, uh, so maybe fifty uh, two to. 58 or 59. Uh-huh. So when... Then I, then I went, to, uh, went to work for Pan Am at that point. Huh? So when washing machines and disposable diapers came in, laundry went out? I, I guess. I don't know if there are any more laundries. I don't think so. What, what were you doing me deliver? Was it mostly shirts or was it be everything? Oh, uh, shirts, uh, flatware, uh, you know, uh, sheets, pillowcases, towels, pajamas, blouses. Everything. Shirts, everything. So, what, what was more popular, starch in the collar or no starch? Okay, well then. Well, I had some people who were very, very upset if they got starch. <laughs> well, you can't put you can't put starch in jockeys and make people happy. Oh, you can't put it in pajamas either. No, not that either. And I know a few other things too. Uh, yeah, I can think of all sorts of things. Uh huh. No starch, please. <laughs> I got I got a chicken story for you. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, this, this farmer had a uh, a chicken ranch, and he used to uh, be in the business of selling fertilized eggs. Okay. And because of that, he needed he needed to have roosters. Now, with four hundred hens, <laughs> he had he had twelve roosters, <laughs> and he used to keep very close tabs on the roosters to make sure that they were doing their jobs. And if they weren't doing their jobs, he would he would uh, put them in the pot, so to speak. <laughs> so he, he, as he got older, he, it was a lot of work for him to chase these chickens around and see what was going on. And he, um, he bought this set of bells, 12 bells, and he, he hung one bell around each rooster's neck. <laughs> Okay, and the bells had different tones. <laughs> so that when the rooster was working, he could sit on the porch and, and hear the bell ring. <laughs> they, call, they call the chickens, they call the female chickens, they call them pullets. Right. Yeah. So uh, one day he notices that Louie is his favorite rooster. He doesn't hear the bell ringing. So he sneaks around the side of the house, and all the other roosters are running, chasing hens. And their bells are ringing, and the hens are running for cover. He looks over at his, his favorite rooster, and he's standing there with the uh, bell in his mouth so it won't ring. <laughs> and he's sneaking up on the chickens, on the hens. And he's really doing a bang-up job. <laughs> So, so the farmer decides. Oh, oh, Ralph. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yes, that was. I <laughs> was good, Ralph. I said this, this rooster is so special. <laughs> I tell you what, as soon as you said yes, Ralph, I knew what was coming. <laughs> Put him in a contest. It was a nationwide uh, contest for roosters, and this rooster. <laughs> He was so special that they gave him, he, he won the Nobel Peace Prize. 
on top of that, because he was so special, they gave him the Pulitzer Prize, too. <laughs> this is the rooster that kept on giving. <laughs> oh, are you okay, Walden? <laughs> we lost Walden. I love, I love that story. Oh, that's a good story. <laughs> Syndrome. Yeah, right. Yeah, me. I, yeah. Yeah. He, he did some good ones. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, Walden is breathing. At least we know he's breathing there. You know when I'm laughing when I start crying, which is true, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, one time I laughed so hard that I actually passed out. Oh, wow. My heavens. Yeah, I actually passed out. My, my, my buddy was pounding on my back, and I, I just couldn't. I couldn't stop laughing. You probably couldn't get enough oxygen in your lungs, probably. No. What happened? I, I was, but, uh, <laughs> it 
he was telling me some story about his dog, and I just thought it was so funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't wait. Think about it, I might pass out. We can't wait to hear about the chickens. We'll be prepared. You have to give me a heads up in an email to let me know when the chicks arrive. I will. My my friend wants to go down to a, a nearby town called Cottonwood okay. next week and pick some up. So may very well happen next week. Okay. Well, as long as we have an email, and then I can warn Walden <laughs> that he should have you know something to hold on to when mm-hmm. we start talking about mm-hmm. the chicks. Yeah. yeah. What do you think of that name? Louie for a chicken. Louie. Louie? Louie. They call yeah. him Louie. Yeah, he's Louie. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I would name my rooster Louie. Mm. No, I don't think so. I think you ought to give him the bell. <laughs> yeah, you get the bell. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is good. You, know? you can lie in bed at night and say, <laughs> there he goes. <laughs> there he goes again. <laughs> this is good. That was a good joke. Yeah, I like that one. Ah, uh, well. Listen, I think I'm going to give you guys the rest of the night off. I'll just be listening in. Uh, I think Walden is put to, put away for the night now. Well, I think we're going to see how it handles it. You bet. <laughs> oh, I was I was glad to hear Charlie from New Jersey. Yeah. I was wondering what happened to him. Yeah. That was that was Charlie from Washington. We haven't heard from oh. Charlie from New Jersey. Yeah, he's just holding out for he's holding out on something. Who knows? Is he is he okay? I who I don't know. I haven't heard. Maybe from a meter? Uh uh-uh. uh. Maybe still waiting on a CD from you in the, in the mail. No. Who? Oh wait a minute. <laughs> do I own one? I don't think so. Maybe maybe I do. No, you don't. Oh, I have to go back and check my list. You know, it, it's been a little squirrely because I'm working in between two computers here, and I've got everything backed up on DVDs and CDs. So um, maybe I owe him something. Oh, well, if he did, if he did, he would call. He probably would. Yeah. It's okay. I just hope he's okay. So, we'll all right, out. Ralph. Do you want another question just for the heck of it?
samples, and I've got a master file of samples with two CDs. So I'm going to send both of them to you, or and then you down. can pick out something that you would like, and I, I can uh, do that from there. Is that cool? Very cool. Is that called Thank a sampler plate? You keep me from having to make up my mind. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a Whitman CD. A Whitman CD. Ah. Oh. So anybody out there wants to order a Whitman CD from Patricia, they can do that too. Yes, they can. All easy payments, all nineteen ninety five. Yeah. We'll do it. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do a third one because I've gotten so many extra shows since I did those two. But there will be something on there that will make you go, oh, I could ask for that one. That's true. That's true. Oh, I, I, I'm still trying to think of the Texas Ranger guy. <laughs> uh, now I got Now I have homework to do. That's now true. you have homework. Well, now, who with the who with the who with the movies who with the movie star that played him? Was his first name Jace? Yes. Oh, you're good. good. You're good. Now, what was his last name? Say one more time. Your phone is breaking up a little bit. Tell me again. Uh, Pearson. Correct. Very good. Correct. See, you are good. Correct. Now, who was the movie star? I know, I know. He knows, he knows. I know he knows. And who was he married to? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> No, I, I, don't, I don't know. I know there's a popular uh, uh -huh. actor, but I can't remember who. But Jace Pearson, that, that came up anyway. That's right. Jace Pearson. Joel McRae, who was he married to? Francis D. Remember in, uh, uh, plant, what, what, you know, the honk, uh, um, you know, the monkey in the, um, Empire, <laughs> <laughs> the Empire State Building? Oh, the one, oh, the, um, King Kong. Yeah, oh, yes. King Kong, yeah. That was Francis D. in his hands. Oh, I didn't know and that. They were married, they were married, like, for 50-some-odd years. I thought it was Faye Ray. You're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, Faye, I'm trying to think Francis D. She was, what was Francis D. and that would help trigger. You're right, Faye Ray, but Francis D. E, E, E was her last Yeah, name? yeah. All right, boy, are you guys lucky. I am just sitting right here. The Internet beautiful. I know. What did we ever do without the Internet? I don't know. Good thing it was invented by Al. Reference librarians go home and make martinis. Good, good. They made them crazy. Yeah, good thing Al Gore invented it, you know. What was her first name, please? Fra Francis. Francis. Francis D. Um, can you do IMDB, maybe? Okay, Francis D. I walked with a zombie. Mm. Army brat. Um, mm -hmm. She was an army brat. Let's see what she did here. <laughs> as far as the eye can see, oh, we want to go back to movies? Movies, yeah. Way back, my goodness. Whew, well, 1930. They, yeah, they were married for almost 50 some odd years. My goodness, okay. Um, we'll, we get into the talkies, maybe? Mm-hmm. American Tragedy, Rich Man's Folly, Working Girls, The Reckless Age, Strange Case of Clara Dean. Boy, that sounds neat. Mm-hmm. 1932. How far back? Well, 1940s, I guess, huh? Yep. Ed Shooter. Let's see what we did. That had to be, yeah. Yeah. Of human... well, we're heading uh, next month on the 3rd, so it'll be our 55th. Oh, right. Wait, next month is your 55th? On the 3rd, 3rd of June? 
June third, yeah. Wow. So what are you doing? What are you guys doing special for the fifty fifth? Gonna stay Probably home and have dinner, but you know. Uh, stay home and have, have popcorn. Plans, nothing set in stone right now. But you know. Well, oh, do you guys do anything special for your fiftieth? Did the did the, the, the kid come over? What do you guys do on the fiftieth? Well, we did the same thing we did on our fortieth. Is, is we renewed our vows. Nice. That's and, nice. Uh, we, yeah, we did it at forty and fifty, so I could tell people I've been married three times. <laughs> to the same woman, yeah. Very good. Oh, I have some friends that said, I'd like to introduce you to my first wife. Yeah, that yeah, would work. That would work. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, the, the priest that married us again on our 40th, he was a very serious guy. And uh, I had four, four neighbors with top hats and shotguns. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are... Um into the yard on a, in a donkey cart that belongs to my neighbor. Mm -hmm. And these guys held the shotguns up as we walked underneath. <laughs> and the, the priest didn't know quite what to make of that. He said, what did you think of the shotguns, Father? Well, to tell you the truth, <laughs> I didn't know what to make of it. <laughs> and then I hit him with, you know, the second marriage isn't working out. <laughs> <laughs> You are so bad. Hmm. I try, I try. Woo, woo. All right, listen, I'm, I'm going to say good night to you, folks. All right. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Ralph. Oh, thanks okay. for calling, and you all behave yourselves now, yeah? Oh, wait. <laughs> all right, bye. Bye-bye. Maybe Harwood would be listening to that. I know. Pat yeah. Patricia and her southern accent are coming out. Yeah. Nothing... I Um, they were doing, reading part of the script for The Whistler, I believe, and he was listening to a lot of people's versions of The Whistler, and he wanted to hear some people do it as Matt Dillon, and he wanted to hear one person do it as Chester A. Riley, and just like that. And then at the end of that, he picks out who he wanted for each different role in all of the scripts, and then he said the, he handed out scripts, and gave us the uh, rehearsal times, and we rehearsed and did the show. Well, Chad, when when you were auditioning, were you auditioning for everything, or did you get to choose and say, I'd like to audition for the Gunsmoke episode? Well, um, he asked if anyone else wanted to audition because uh, I was kind of in the back, and he wanted to hear my voice. Um, and actually, he gave me a script of, it was actually The Whistler, and um, he said, just start reading at the top of the page in a hillbilly accent. So I was reading the part of Isabel as a male hillbilly. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. All right, put on your hillbilly voice. And that's how I got the part of Sam the Bartender. Uh, Sam oh. the Bartender. I keep going. Give me a line from Sam the Bartender. What would you like me to say? <laughs> Some of the lines from the script? He's yeah, still yeah. He's back there up in the alley. He shot him. He shot Pickard. It's Chester. Look, there's his gun right there at his feet. 
You're good. Well, that is You're good. good. Yeah, a couple it's All right, you get. For complimenting me on that. <laughs> all right. Well, so, well, so is Rosemary Rice in your show? Yes. Oh, so great. That's fun. So what happened to Chester? Did he die? No, no, no. Well, I'm not going to tell you. You'll have to dig up the gun smoke. I know you have it, and you'll have to listen to it yourself. Oh, that, you know, that's not really fair. And I'm going to all this trouble, and I'm putting together special shows and everything for you. Yeah, well, that'll, that'll be some fun homework for you. <laughs> Can you at least give her a break and tell her what the date of the broadcast? Uh, just a minute, I'll look at my script. Okay. <laughs> I got signed by all the people are in it. All right. Okay. Oh, sorry, I can't give you the date. It just says May 2011. Okay. Oh, wait. Okay. Gunsmoke presents Chester's Murder by John Meston, originally broadcast on January 15, 1955. Okay, so it was a later one. Yeah. Radio and Technology convinced in May 2011. All right. Well, that sounds pretty cool. So, tell me about the dealer's room this year. Was it about the same as the other time you went? What, what, what was it all like? Yeah, basically, um, Martin Grahams was there, uh -huh. and um, I don't remember everyone's name, but... Uh, what was the merchandise? Mostly CDs, MP3s? What was the mo most of the merchandise like? Well, let's see. Martin Grahams had some old-time radio books, mm -hmm. um, some movies, and uh, there was people with um, selling CDs, and there were a few people selling... MP3 CDs and also MP3 DVDs, and there were a couple or a few dealers selling old movies, old TV shows, and somebody selling Christine sheet music and um, old some Radio Mirror magazines and radio tickets, stuff like that. What about the sheet music? Did you look at it? Was there anything that you recognized? You, you being such a musician, you probably know most of the songs. Did, did you recognize what they had? Yeah, well, yeah, quite a bit. There's some that I have also in mm -hmm. music form. That they were, um, this guy got them from a music store right after it closed. So they were in brand new condition, never been played, and they're, they're, the colors are really bright, and the sheet music is really nice. And, yeah, there's quite a few titles I recognized. Did they have anybody playing live music in any recreation, or was it all recorded music? How did they do that part of it? Uh, they were scheduled to have Ed Clute. Right, he was supposed to be there, and he couldn't make it, I know. Yeah, he couldn't make it, so Don Ramlow had to quickly, um, a couple days ago, put together music. Okay. Stayed up late into the night, and so he didn't get much sleep, but no, there wasn't any live music. Okay. You think you could have done it? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you didn't try out for that part? Well, they, they didn't have a piano or keyboard or anything, so... How much rehearsal time did you get? Um, uh, five o'clock yesterday, and the recreation was seven in the evening last night. Wow. Had to, so right before that, they had a couple of ventriloquists. Oh, how much fun is that? <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, now, I, I have some questions for you. Yes. This is your first time call, so I get to ask questions. Okay. How did you get into, for, is it okay to ask how old you are? 
Sure, I guess so. How old are you? I'm not going to tell. All right. All right. Oh, no, I, I will. No, you can do it, Patricia. Oh, you're too funny. No, you don't have to. No, I will. I will. Okay. 21. You're 21. Now, I ask because 21 is not the typical age of somebody coming in to listen to old-time radio. So, my question is, how did you, as a member of a generation that's typically apart from this hobby, how did you get interested in it? Yeah, I know 21 isn't really the age to be in old-time radio, but I got started a little late. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um... Oh, um well, a friend gave us some tapes, and I listened to some tapes, and I listened to them several times, and then uh, when we got the internet, um, I decided to look stuff on the internet eventually one day, and I found, I guess, MP3s, and I was looking around, and I stumbled on a website that had a link to Yesterday USA, and so I went over there, and I started listening, and I think that was like early 2006 or so, so been listening ever since. That's it. Now, 2006, we're talking five years ago, so you were in your middle teens when you started listening to old-time radio. Do you remember the shows, which shows your neighbor gave you on tapes? Um, Green Hornet, Have Been Will Travel, and Armis Brooks, and a few loose ones like Dimension X, Jack Benny, Suspense, I think. Uh, well, I'm not, actually, I'm not sure if that counts as how I got into old-time radio, but I used to listen to um, a local station had uh, Adventures in Odyssey. We always listened to that as little kids, and that's how I started getting into radio drama, which probably set my mind for listening to old-time radio drama. So uh -huh. and for the how I really got into it. And, and for people who may or may not know, for many years, Alan Young and Janet Waddle played the mother and father on that radio series. And they An Odyssey and Adventures? Uh-huh. Adventures and Odyssey, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I did not know that. Yep. So when, I, uh, I saw Janet today and gave her a hug, so, you know, she's good as gold. And when, didn't Bill interview Alan Young a few... Yep, I had him, he was on last year with, with Bill. We had him on. Yeah, and yeah. He, he asked one of the, he asked, I posted a question in the chat room, and he asked him, and, and he said at that time that he was going to be going in in a few weeks or a few months to record some more, so yeah. I guess he's still in the show. Must be still be doing it. That's great. Does that show play regularly as a series? Yes. Yes, it's put together by Focus on the Family. Mm -hmm. that, that part I knew, and I only knew that because I found some of the shows for Chad. I asked him one night what he would like, and mm -hmm. he put that up, and I thought, I don't know that show, but I did find some. So. And I, I don't know how many new shows they produce a year, but they still produce it. And I understand they spend quite a bit of money per, per production. It's pretty high-end high, high -end sound effects and things like that. But Chad... They're, they're they're really nice. Yeah. I think they've been doing it for over 20 years. And they had, um, well, they had the guy who played Otis in Andy Griffith playing the main character. I can't think of his name right now. Okay. The one who but, played uh, Otis? No kidding. Yes. What a, what a character he played on in that area. Chad, would you give a thumbnail sketch of what that particular show is all about? Which, uh, uh, Adventures in Odyssey? Uh-huh, please. For Okay, um, it's set in the town of Odyssey. Um, it's named that because it's a town you really ought to see. 
and it's there's this soda shop run by a fellow named John Avery Whitaker, and um, he has a few employees, and all the kids in town come in, and it's it's a show about morals. They have a moral story every time, and kids have problems, or the employees have problems, and it's um, and they they also did some serial stories, I guess you might, or ongoing stories where they the story would go on for several episodes, like 20 episodes, mm-hmm. but each individual episode was kind of capsulized, so there, you could hear one and not really miss out much of the story, but basically, uh, since it's focused on the family, it's a religious group, and they try to uh, teach kids about morals, and it's a fun show with humor and some drama, and this- all kinds of different stuff. It's it's clearly from the way you're describing it. It's clearly directed at children and cultivating right yeah. choices and and um, uh, the, the understanding the moral issues. Is it also appealing to adults? Oh yes, absolutely. So it's about there's not much. Show. There's not much modern radio being produced um, that's being broadcast on radio stations across the country, that's one of them, and, and I, I'm an adult now, and I enjoy it, and I know a few people that do it. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a carryover because you grew up with it, or you, you found it before you got to the past 21 stage in your life. Mm-hmm. That's but yeah, it's just very appealing to all age groups. That's, that's, that's really neat. It's hard to find a show like that. Okay, we're going back to old-time radio now. Give me... Your top three old-time radio shows. Which ones do you enjoy the most? Only three. Only three. <laughs> well, he, he asked oh, tough questions. He's tough. Yeah. 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 Of all the trivia questions you could have asked, that's probably the hardest. <laughs> Good. Well, um, I don't know. I like, I like Gunsmoke, and I like Phil Harris and Alice Faye, mm-hmm. and Jack Penny, and Fred McGee and Molly, and Suspense, and Whistler, Mysterious Traveler, uh, X minus one, all kinds of them. I like a lot of them. Do you know you are the first person who has ever mentioned that I can recall The Whisperer? Is that a show that you like? Yes. I heard you. I did hear you correctly. Okay. Whisperer. I don't think anyone has ever asked for that show. Isn't that interesting? Okay. Well, out of all that, what can I send you? Well. Well, are you putting together a CD of uh, obscure shows? Yeah, the the weird ones and the really um, the the ones that you don't frequently come across. Yes, I'm yeah. gathering that. The ones that people have never heard of. Yeah, like Nona from Nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got that's all, that's a part. I already promised you that one. But now this is because you're a first time caller. I get to send you another one, and then I'm going to ask you a trivia question. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, what? I want to know what, what show you'd like. Well, ask me the question. I'll let you pick. Ask me the question. All right, I'll ask you the question. You want a hard one or a, or a medium one or an easy one? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> a hard one. Well, you know, a hard one is only hard if you don't know the answer. <laughs> and an easy one is easy because you do know the answer. Okay, here we go. I, this is a good one. I like this one. Which show had the characters with the first names of Walter, Philip, Connie, and Osgood? 
Thomas Brooks. All right. Good. Okay. That was a pretty... I like the way I asked that question. You did good. I think you should use that one again. I think so, too. Well, actually, I can apply it to a whole bunch of shows. Hey, Chad, uh, did they announce that they're going to have a convention next year? Was it Bob... Did, have Bob announced anything? Yes. They are going to have one next year, but he, he doesn't have the dates because of this... Last year, they had to change the dates because it conflicted with something else. Right. So, he doesn't. He hasn't set the dates yet, but okay. he said there is for sure going to be another convention next year. And did you see? Did you see any of the same people that you saw before? I mean, Cincinnati's always known as sort of a family kind of get together where people like to meet each other and hang out and things like that. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, I recognized a lot of people that uh -huh. were there last year. I don't. I didn't know everyone, but right. I recognized a lot. And how did he get there this year? Did he did he take a bus this year, or did he go with your with, with uh by car? How did he wind up getting getting to Cincinnati this year? Yeah, bus. 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 How long a trip was that? Well, uh, it was supposed to be eight hours from St. Louis to here, but it ended up being twenty-two hours because Ooh. I had to. Oh, the flood! Hours the weather. Louisville because the buses were. There were buses getting filled up, and there were still ticket holders, so we had to wait for the next bus. And so I got there, I got here yesterday, more yesterday at noon, I think. So how did you get to St. Louis? You took, you got, you got dropped off by a car, or did you take a bus to St. Yeah. Louis? Okay. Yeah, this relative was um, visiting a friend, so I tagged along to St. Louis and then took the bus from there. Wow. You're a brave soul. You are. All right, now it's pick the shows time. Okay. Pick the shows. Well, you, you've al you've already got. Um, I'm already building your collection of what the heck is this show? And then you get two. You get two more shows. Two more CDs, yeah. Yeah, because you. That's right. CDs doesn't necessarily have to be a show, because you're a first time caller, and then you answer the question, so you get two. Okay. Um. Oh, do you have any Whistler shows? I can get them. And Mysterious Traveler, maybe? I, I have Mysterious Traveler. Okay. Those would be some good ones. I'd like. Uh, yeah. I, you broke up a little bit. Whistler and Mysterious Traveler? Uh-huh. Okay. Yes, please. You've got them. So you're going to do anything tomorrow? Or are you going back home tomorrow? What's going to be your routine? Um, yeah, uh, the bus is supposed to leave around 2.30, so I'll probably be around here for a few hours so I don't have to wait in the station too long. Okay. But, uh, they don't have anything planned for tomorrow. Everything ended this evening. So they have the banquet? How, how was the banquet? Was the banquet a couple of recreations, or was that the, the banquet, basically? Uh, well, they didn't have a banquet last year, and they didn't have one this year. I think they had bad experiences in the past. Okay. The food, I think. So they didn't do a banquet, but they had, uh... Yes, this afternoon they had a Whistler recreation and a Dragnet recreation. It was a really funny one. And then a Green Hornet recreation done by the All Ears Theater group from Kalamazoo. And then they did a Life of Riley recreation. Well, that was a busy schedule. Or, so that was basically it. How many people are there? Um, I'm not sure. Um, they can only get about 200. days or yeah. just at the recreation? Don't they get about 200 people or so that show up to that convention? I think it's somewhere between one to 200, I think. So 
it really is. Um, it's big enough to be a big convention and small enough to really be a family-oriented type of fair. And Bob hardly charges anything to attend, right? See, I just, it's, he's yeah. very nominal cost to get yeah. to go. Just 10 bucks a day. Wow. Way to go. <clears throat> well, you're a good reporter, sir. So what are you going to do when you get home? You got any concert coming up? What what the summer schedule look like for you this year? Well, um, yeah, um, as a matter of fact, I do. I what? wonder where you heard that. Um, <laughs> Tuesday, um, our orchestra will be giving a the last performance of the season, the 2010-2011 season, mm -hmm. Tuesday evening. And I should get back home just in time for the dress rehearsal on Monday. And then we'll start up again in September after summer break, mm -hmm. and then um, and then actually the next Thursday, well, this Thursday, I am scheduled to go into the recording studio for a CD that I'm going to be recording. Oh, All right. 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 Is it going uh, to be mostly piano? What, 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 or are you going to play different instruments? What are you going to wind up doing for the CD? Just, just piano, yeah. Okay. My, own compositions, just piano. I, okay. I haven't tried composing for, I haven't really tried composing for other instruments yet, just the piano is the one I'm most comfortable with. So what's going to be the process? Is it going to take several recording dates for you to get the CD done, or you just going to do it on one day? How are you going to work this? Well, um, it's going to be in the evening because it's um, at a church who mm -hmm. has a nice piano. And um, it's going to be in the evening, so hopefully there won't be as much traffic, so minimize the noise. So I'm not sure how late I'll be able to go, but it might have to be in a couple of sessions, or it might be in one. I just don't know for sure. I'll mm -hmm. find out when I get there. Who's got the recording equipment? Um, who? Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Tony Hillhouse. Say what? He works there. He works there at the church. So. Uh, oh, okay. So it's all part. Of, it's it's um. It's not just the piano that you have at the church. You've got the capability of recording as well. Um, and yeah. This comes. Well, he, he has all his own equipment, and he can carry it around to wherever he needs it. And okay. So it he's, bring, he's bringing it in. I got it. Okay. I misunderstood. I misunderstood. Okay, well, Chad, you are a good guy for calling in and giving us a report. It was really fun to hear that, and I love your voice. Give me one more line from from uh, Gunsmoke, please. Well, did did you check? Uh, did you catch my name at the beginning? No. <laughs> Did you catch it, Walter? I did. I want you to do. You got it all written out. Do that. Do your whole introduction again. That was something else. Well, I don't have it written out. But okay, oh. I'll stress my name. Okay. This, this is your roving reporter, Chad Ballou, reporting from the tail end of the 25th annual Old Time Radio and Nostalgia Convention in the lovely and fragrant Blue Ash, Cincinnati, <laughs> Ohio, broadcasting live on the Yesterday USA Radio Network. Chad Ballou, this is good. This is good. I was distracted by the message, and I wasn't quite sure who was calling in. Chad Ballou, this is good. Wally's first cousin. <laughs> Very good. Very good. 
Well, Chad, thank you so much for calling and giving us an update, and I'm really happy that you called, period. I am, too. For the first time. You are such a character in the chat room, Chad, so we're glad we could put a voice with it. Well, well, how would you like to put a different voice to it, sir? This <laughs> is good. We got more than we bargained for. <laughs> we even got different people. We've got a multiple personality here. <laughs> Well, I should be going now. I need to get some sleep so I can get on the bus in time tomorrow and get home before uh, before the flood before comes I on. Completely dropped dead. From yeah, that that way you flap the hogs and everything back there in corn country. Or <laughs> not. Well, you have a safe trip, Chad, and we'll t we'll catch you in the chat room on Monday. You too. See y'all later. <laughs> okay, thanks, Chad. Sleep well. Bye, Chad. Oh, what a hoot. What a hoot. Someone for... <laughs> what an evening. I'm glad I decided to do the show. Someone for... 545-2071. And I should have asked Chad, and I didn't, about mascots and um, cartoon spokespersons, and um, we got Morris the Cat, anything that has to go with advertising as a mascot of sorts. Well, sort of a sort. A sort of a sort. You know, like Farfels with Nestle's, yeah. and we have Charlie with Good and Plenty. Yeah. Um, Morris the Cat. Yeah. Ember for RCA. Ipana had Bucky Beaver. Mm-hmm. And you had your Chuck Wagon Doggy. Yep. And then... Don't ever have a name. I don't remember of any. I don't, I don't recall either. And then, of course, you got Jack of Jack in the Box. Jack and Jack in the Box? Mm-hmm. What is Jack? Well, he's a he's the voice commercial. I think he could, you know, like remember Jack Jack in the Box. No. Well, Jack in the Box is a fast food rest, right. fast. The, the Jack in the Box I I knew and, about. And the radio commercial that always have hi, this is Jack from Jack in the Box. So, so you know, you when you used, when you used to drive through the uh, drive through, they always have that figure that figure. I'm assuming that's Jack. Am I am I in an embarrassing position by saying I've never been in a Jack in the Box? No, you're not. You just have discriminating tastes. <laughs> They'll be thrilled to hear that. <laughs> You'll hear from the advertising people in the morning. I know, I know. Patricia, Patricia had discriminating tastes. All right. Well, this is what I came up with today. I gotta go through. So, oh, you know, I didn't even. Gosh, we've got Walden trivia and Stump Walden, and I have a question from Keiko for you. But let me let me go through what I what it, I came up with today. It's been busy today with the phone is ringing right from the beginning, so no wonder. You, oh, seven one four five four five two zero seven one, and if you call at the right time, you're going to rescue Walden from his from his question. Oh, wow. What I found this really nice guy. I think he goes by the fun guy in. The Fun Guy in the Glasses, I think is the name of his website, thefunguyintheglasses.com. Um, and he does have glasses, and he did these great videos. He put together a video about breakfast cereals, the characters that represented breakfast cereals. How about, how about Captain Crunch? Captain Crunch, yeah, yes. Yeah. That was one of them. Mm -hmm. um, there's a very famous one, and you probably somebody, know who I'm talking about. Uh, how about, uh, about Lucky Charm? Lucky Charm, yes. Yeah. delicious. Arthur Anderson. Uh, uh huh. Yeah. Arthur and Arthur Anderson is part of the Orson Welles Stock Company of uh, the Mercury Theaters, and 
let's pretend for 18 years, and he got a brand new book out. We should get him on the air to talk about his days in New York radio. And he's a night person, too. There's a bigger one, even. 714-545-2071. Hello, caller. Thanks for saving me. Well, we're back again. Thank you, Jim. A few more spokesmen. I thought of, well, you had, you, of course, you had Tony the Tiger. Tony the Tiger. Yeah. Great. When I was coaching out of Walden. Great. They're great. Yeah. Huh? And I believe, uh, wasn't it, who, who did, the guy who did his voice was Phil Re- Regenscroft, I think. Correct. And he, for those who, who may or may not know, Rosemary Cooney had that big hit, This Old House, in 1954, yeah. and that's... Uh, Thorough Cross. Right, ain't gonna need no, ain't gonna need this house no longer. Ain't gonna need yeah, this house, house no, no more. more. He's the voice that sings that. That's right. And he did a lot of things for Disney too. Yep. Yep. All right, well, I think the question now before you move on, what yeah. did Tony the Tiger sell? Sugar Frosted Flakes. Are you good? Then you had Sugar Pops Pete for Sugar Pops. Very good. You had uh, the the sugar, the bear for Sugar Crisp. You know, there was a Sugar Crisp bear. I forgot what he, his name was, but he was a bear that showed Sugar Crisp. Oh, let me see. I've got him on my list. He was Sugar. Yeah. Sugar Bear. That was his name. Sugar Bear. And, um, sugar Bear. You, of course, you had uh, the Cuckoo Bird for Cocoa Pop. Uh, and that's played by? I don't know who did the Cuckoo Bird. Yeah, it's, right it's Joe on. It's Chuck McCann. Oh, Chuck McCann. Chuck I don't McCann. Know. Arthur Anderson did the, the yeah. leprechaun, Bucky. That's Chuck. That's Chuck McCann. And he had the Trix Rabbit. Right. Ooh, hang on. This is Yesterday USA. We are standing by for Jim Taylor. Who he, always, he, always, he always hated the fact that kids always got all the tricks. Yeah, orange, tricks, raspberry red, lemon yellow, orange, mm-hmm. orange. Uh-huh. I'm, I was thinking about Mikey. Remember the life stereo ads? Right, right. Yeah. Good. He likes it. He likes He likes it. Yeah, and then you had, uh, you had, uh, of course, um, the Cheerios Kid in the 50s and 60s who sold Cheerios. I mm-hmm. forgot who sold Frostios. You know, there was a stiff, for a brief time, General Mills had a sugar-coated Cheerios called Frostios. I don't know. If I didn't know that. I remember, you know, on, on the box of Quaker... Oh, so it's that, that gentleman, you know, from the turn of the century, you know, the Quaker Oats on the yeah. canister. Oh, yeah, the Quaker? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. And then let's see, you also had, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of some of these others now that were that were around. There were a number of, uh, uh, the, the kids sang the alphabet song, of course, ABC, they're ABC Delicious. I think that was children that just sang that. I don't remember there was a mascot as such. Uh, I don't even know. Did, did, did Post Toasties have a mascot? I can't remember. I don't remember that they did. You know what I think about kids? You know what I? What's the most famous commercial I think about kids are with? Yeah. You, you know which one I'm thinking of? Of the seventies? Oh, uh, was it a cereal? No, hot dog. What hot? Sir Meyer, of course. Meyer. I'm thinking. Uh, what? 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 What do you think of kids and hot dogs? What? What do you think of? Oscar Meyer. Hot dog, I'm a hot right, dog. Right, right, right. What kind of The dog kids oh, love to bite. Fast kids. They were in us. Any kids, kids who climb on rocks. Yep, yep. Love kids, sissy kids, even kids with chicken pox love hot dogs. I'm a hot dog. The dog's kids love, love to bite. I think Pat Boone did it one time with them. Right, yeah. I went away on the old banjo, put on the mustard, and away we go. Ah, uh, but see, I wish I were an Oscar Mayer wiener. Yeah. That is what I truly like to be. 
That's another one. And yeah. you know what was funny about that is that for a brief time, even Milton Cross did an Oscar Mayer commercial, and he said, <laughs> he said, uh, Oscar Mayer presents the Vienna Symphony Orchestra, and you got to hear the Oscar Mayer song played in the symphonic style. Wow. And that was fun, because at the end, Milton Cross said, Oscar Mayer, it's a classic. <laughs> I went out, and I looked for some information on some of these, not, not all of the ones that I came up with, but I came up with a couple of really interesting stuff. Captain Crunch, you're talking about Captain Crunch? Right. One of the people who voiced Captain Crunch, and there were several, was June Foray. Right, and I know Dawes Butler. Dawes Butler did, too. And on... Toucan Sam with Fruit Loops. Paul Freeze, wasn't it? Paul Freeze uh, did it, but before Paul Freeze, Mel Blanc did it. Nope. Really? Uh-huh. Well, we were, my memory of Fruit Loops in the early 60s, they tried to do their commercials with kind of a pig Latin, kind of oop fray, oops fray, kind of a strange... Bombed. <laughs> it bombed. What was, was there a, like a parrot with Fruit Loop? What was that yeah, mascot? Yeah. It's a toucan. It's a tropical bird huh. with multicolored bill, and it's a very large bill. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I remember as a kid. Almost like a puffin. Mm-hmm. Remember what a puffin looks like? Big, big bill, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very fat face. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, and you had, uh, let's see, you had, uh, well, I remember uh, Woody Godfrey would have cringed, but... For a brief time, uh, General Mills had a, a product called New Country Corn Flakes. And the reason Woody Godfrey would have cringed is because they sung it to the tune of This Land is Your Land. I New Country Corn Flakes, <laughs> Country Corn Flakes. They would have, I'm just thinking how, how uh, Woody Godfrey would have cringed at using, using that song for that. Oh, boy, that's sacrilegious. Yeah. Well, they, you know, well, you know most of, it was probably by then. I don't know if it was a public domain song by then. It kind of reminds me of uh, there was a, there was a uh, hamburger helper one uh, that would have made opera fans cringe. Yum, hamburger helper, yum yum yummy yum. Kind of, and you know, you know, I'm thinking of how opera opera buffs would have just cringed at that. Um, well, I learned something a couple of weeks ago yeah? that the melody of existing songs that were copyrighted and are are owned, the melodies can be purchased for a very small fee. Really? For exactly something like this with, um, you know, my, my cornflakes or the, the cornflake song that you were talking about. And I questioned this because one of my clients has a Beatles song with words that relate to his business. Uh-huh. I said, are you okay with this? <laughs> you know, they're, they're pretty... He said, James is in a band. James understands this stuff. He's from England, and he knows who to call, what to do. He said he paid $10 for this to... understand that Beatles songs are among the songs that are the most expensive to secure the rights to the melodies. I mean, you know, because of... Uh... I would think so. So I'm just sitting here saying... That's cool. If that's what James paid and he knows his music, um, he's in the music industry. Well, you know, like 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 classical music is, you know, is, is public domain pretty much. Uh, yeah. Can be used for. Uh, but what, what, like I mentioned to you before, what I, I think I mentioned this to you, I mentioned it to other people, and what I really hate is now no one writes original commercial jingles anymore. They just take uh -huh. roll songs and adapt them. I know. 
I know. It's one of my, my really... Uh, I, I like original jingles, you know, where the songs, you know, stand out. Like the Oscar Mayer song. Like, uh, uh, I remember Sugar Pops Pete, his gimmick, at least at one time in the 60s, he had a... A sugar, a sugar popper that sweetened bank rob. When a, when a robber wanted to rob the bank, he would coat the bank robber with the sugar from his sugar popper sweets thing. And he said, next time I rob the bank, I won't leave mud on the floor. He'd, he'd reform that way by not leaving mud on the floor within the gimmick of the commercial. I was like, in the early 70s, I remember, like, to teach the whole world to sing. Oh, that was for Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola, yeah, I was, yeah. That, that was that's, great. That's a sweet song. Yeah. Well, New Seekers did it, and I forgot who else sang it. There were two ver two charted versions. I think Ray Charles and Ray Charles Seniors did it, too. Oh, uh, they were, oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah. All right, now here's here's the, the big bomb of the night, in my ever-so-humble opinion. We've okay. been going through serials. You've come up with an entire list of characters. We had <laughs> Cookie Crook and Officer Crumb for... Um, Cookie Crisp cereal. We've got Honey Nut Cheerios with the Honey Bee. Um, Count Chocula. Oh, yeah. And Frankenberry you'd have to include there. Huh? Almost every one of these products that we have just talked about with the characters that represent them are sugar-coated cereals. Right. Yeah, you don't have that many. You're right. On the non-sweet cereals, you don't have... I can't think of a cartoon character, say, for shredded wheat. Nope. Or for corn, Kellogg's Corn Flakes. Nope. Or for uh, Grape Nuts. Nope. Or, um, you know, any of the other non-sweet cereals you can you can think of. Uh, and, 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 yeah, there's, and, oh, I, I the way, they took us, a number of years ago, I think it was about 1997 or 98, if I remember right, some, some health board uh, evaluated 59 brands of cold cereal for their nutritional value and their energy value. Guess what number, guess what cereal was number 59 on the list? Oh, it was, it was one that was promoted as the most healthful, something like Wheaties or corn. Shredded wheat or, I think shredded wheat was number one. But 59 was Captain Crunch. Oh, well, that, <laughs> I can understand that one. Well, you know, I'm wondering if the non-sugar cereal are really geared for adults. And if that's the case, maybe they don't think uh, little figurines or symbols for them, it's going to get into that market. You know what's weird, too, when you think about it, and we, and we talked, I've talked about this on other, and on, with people on other programs, is that for 13 weeks in the night, in the fall of 53, Gunsmoke, the radio Gunsmoke, was actually sponsored by Post Toasties and Sugar Crinkles. And, you know, you think of Sugar Crinkles as like a, a, a kitty cereal. <laughs> and I think the plots were, I don't know if that was a factor, but I'm wondering if the, because Gunsmoke was such an adult Western and not a kid's Western, <laughs> if that's why Post dropped sponsorship after only 13 weeks. Um, well, Walden, you are right in, in that the characters that we're talking about with these cereals mm -hmm. are marketing directly to kids. Mm -hmm. Right. The criminal part of it is that it's only the sugar-coated cereals that are being marketed to kids, and they wouldn't dare try to market them to adults. Can you imagine an adult sitting there saying, oh, boy, marshmallows and chocolate cereal? I, think, I bet you, though, if they did a, a market analysis, a pretty good hunk mm -hmm. of that market is adults are eating that stuff, too. I think, um, yeah, well, I, I think you're probably right, but I think they're eating it because they've got kids in the house. When my, kid, when my nieces would visit my parents in Southern California years ago, their favorite cereal was Lucky Charms. 
and that would just make my parents, they, 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 my parents got them for the grandkids, of course, but the thought of them liking Lucky Charms just made my parents just cringe. Just cringe. Now, we missed some really important ones, and I have to say, we're just going to shoot our argument right in the foot with these. <laughs> crackle and Pop. Okay. Uh-huh. Ice Krispies, yep. unsweetened. Yep, Crackle and Pop. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yep. that's right. That was that's not exactly a kitty cereal. But no, but who who? What are those characters? Yeah, is there a character there? They they always have the whole thing sing. Yeah, there were three three little characters. I like Snap with a happy sound. That, yeah. 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 Okay. Now I remember. Right. Yeah. What, what what were they? What were those things? They're little men, you know, like the Lucky Charms. Yeah. Okay. Okay. They're, they're little men, and they've got little baker's hats on, and they got these goofy smiles, and one is Snap, and one is Crackle, and one is Pop. Yeah. Yeah, I remember one of them said, "Now I insist that pops the sound. Pop is the something is sound around." <laughs> well, you know when I used to eat like crispy, I always made sure I wanted to hear the snack crackle from pot. That was a big deal for it me if a, I was going to put. Yeah, it was on. a great marketing deal. <laughs> They'll appear on the box. Mm-hmm. But you know, I I never liked milk on my cereal, so when I ever had have have rice krispies, I just ate them dry, so I never heard the snap crackle. <laughs> only happened when you put the milk on them. You heard them. Ew. I just, you know, I wasn't into milk on cereal. I always like my cereal dry. For You're somebody. allowed to do that, but look at what you missed. Yeah, that's true. You didn't, you did not hear the symphony while you were eating your breakfast food. Right, right. Suppose if you put them in your mouth and held it there for a couple of seconds. Yeah, one of my favorite commercials in the '60s was for, and it, it was a silly song, but it was for Kellogg's Puffa Puffa Rice, and it was done in Hawaiian style. And they went, Anua, Anoa, Kellogg's is bringing you new kind, the breakfast cereal, really toasted nice, new Kellogg's puffa puffa rice. <laughs> it was just cute to me, the way they sang it. You heard the Hawaiian guitar and everything in it. Uh, and there were so many, and of course, you know, generally, and of course, you also had Lion, he later got his own TV series, Lioness the Lionhearted did Post Crispy Critters. Okay. The one and only cereal that comes in the shape of animals. And were they sweetened? Yes. There we go. Remember, I was thinking of the dull pineapple. You always hear the uh, the wine music in the in the back of the advertisement of the seventies. Mhm. Oh. And I'm trying to think of the fruit punch. What would that? Hawaiian music? punch. Yeah. Punch. How about a nice Hawaiian punch? Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Did Mel Blank do those briefly? I don't no. remember. Um, he did everything. Why yeah, not? Yeah. And, I, and, they, and of course, they all, um, of course, Huck Hound and Quick Quick Draw McGraw promoted Kellogg's Cocoa Crisp or Snaggle Plus. One of the characters on Quick Draw McGraw promoted Cocoa Krispies, which was Rice Krispies with chocolate. Here is an unsweetened one. We need to redeem ourselves. Yeah. Marky Maple. Maple? Maple. That's a hot cereal, right? Maple. Yeah, I want my maple. And I discovered today that Marky was actually the son of the guy who drew this cartoon. Really? Walked around with a, with a microphone, and it was his son who was recorded. I mean, you think that they used that commercial for like 10 or more years. <laughs> the interesting thing is the story is um, too long to read on the air, but one of the more interesting parts was that he was hired to do a commercial that they wanted to fail because it had something to do with tax write-offs at the end of the year. And they said, okay, go ahead. And they, and they looked at Marky Maple and they said, yeah, this is dumb enough to, <laughs> to give us a loss. 
and people went crazy for it. They loved Marky. And the sales went through the ceiling. They didn't get their, their tax break, whatever was going to uh, was going to come up here. But the guy who did it um, was out of the Disney organization. Yeah. And had been blacklisted during the McCarthy era, or the right. Un-American Activities era. And, um, you know, so th- th- this was a, a difficult thing that he was contending with, and he came back and he, he did the I Want My Maple commercials, and they were crazy successful. I found a website with them this week, with all four of the Markey commercials. Gosh, they were good. Well, I remember, you know, I, I remember the, the Malta Meal commercials. I remember there was the kid used to sing Winners, Warm Up with Malta Meal, Winners, Warm Up with Malta Meal. They were, uh, and you know, to me, hot cereal isn't as, t- to me, I don't enjoy hot cereal at all. I mean, but, but I guess a lot of people say it's probably healthier for you. I don't know why hot cereal would be more healthy than. Moms think it is. I love oatmeal. I'm an oatmeal kid. I like oatmeal. I love oatmeal. Yeah, oatmeal for snack at night sometimes. The mm-hmm. so cream of wheat fan. I like cream of wheat. And it's good to eat, right? And you have cream it every day. It's good to eat and you have it every day. No, I do not have it every day. <laughs> Jim, did I ask you a question earlier? Um, no. I don't remember. I don't think so. I can't think of any prize tonight because I've got so many things to hear right now. I'm just loaded with things. My friend sent me two whole barrels of things to listen to. Okay, but that doesn't mean you can't answer a question. Okay, I can do that, sure, sure. I mean, kind of join in the fun here. Not everybody has to have a, a, a CD if you don't want one. Okay, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall played in a radio series set in Key Largo. What was it? It was called Bold Venture. Very good. And Ed Hurley was the announcer. Mm-hmm. And the music was by David Rose. Right. And what was, the, what was the name of the production company? Santana. And what was, the, what was Santana named after? Wasn't that his boat? Or it was his boat. Very good. And it was, it was actually, I thought those stories were pretty good, the ones I've heard. Did it's you enjoy good, them, Patricia? Yeah, I've, I've heard several. I say several. I've heard some of them, and I thought they were really well done. I did, too. And it was syndicated. And they clicked uh, just as well in radio as they did on the screen. Oh, yeah. They were matched oh. together. Well, you know, when you think about it, in the early 50s there, there were several shows where they took major stars from the screen and brought them into uh, sh- sh- short-lived and interesting series. You had you had uh, them, and then you had Fred McMurray and Arlene Dunn in that uh, bright star. Um, I th- Irene Dunn. Irene yeah. Dunn, yeah. Irene Dunn, yeah. That was pretty good. That was a good series. And then you also had uh, Tyrone Power played a senator in a short live series called Freedom USA. Correct. And, of course, you had uh, uh, you had Joe McRae and the Texas Rangers. Yep. And, and you had... Uh, stars that, you know, you don't think of as radio stars. Yeah, Macy. Yeah. Ellen... Um, Ellen Ladd. Ellen Ladd. Right. Uh, of course, you had Kildare with Ayers and Barrymore. And, right. uh, and Dick Powell. Oh, yeah, Dick Powell, yeah, with his two, his two detective series. Yep. Uh, and, and a number of these people who you don't think of as radio actors did turn out to be very successful yeah. in radio shows. You think about Johnny Dollar starts with pretty much some movie stars before they switched away. Yeah, like Edmund O'Brien played him briefly. And, and John Juan. Right. I still, think, I still think Bailey was my favorite, though, mm-hmm. still. Me too. Me too. And, uh, and uh, although I've, I've, since you had that guest, uh, you're the author of the book last year, Mr. Abbott, I sort of am agreeing with him again. I've been reevaluating, and I've sort of Charles Russell's kind of come up in my mind after uh-huh. hearing him interviewed. Mm-hmm. 
it, you know, at first I wasn't that impressed of Charles Russell, but rehearing them, he wasn't really that bad in the role. Yeah, I don't think any of them were bad. I think they were all good. The challenge for me many times is that I listen to and appreciate a particular delivery, and it's like the other person just... Harry Bartell, Herb Ellis, Elliot Lewis, Herb Ellis, and Gerald Moore. Moore. Gerald Moore was the fourth one. And if you hear Elliot Lewis, the rest of them kind of, they don't, they're different. And, he, and he's ahead of them. But they're different. You think about um, you think about Johnny Dollar. It's different to think about. Here that series started in 1949, and everybody likes Bob Bailey was six years after the run start. That's such an unusual enigma to think of an on-running series, and most people will be used to the first person they hear of a series. But here, we collectors hey, we like, grew into him. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Everyone I've everyone I've talked to, my, my mother was a big Bob Bailey fan when she heard the recordings. Most people for years considered Mandel Kramer to be the second best. And John Abbott liked Mandel Kramer as well. Right. Uh, I felt bad for a lot. Of the, I know a couple of collectors that were not fans of Bob Reddick, but I kind of feel for Bob Reddick because he had a very unenviable position in following Bob Bailey. Yeah, that that was hard. That was hard. Now, something. There's another show that that happened to, and Walden, you can help me with the actor who took over, Pat for Pat Novak. Pat who Novak for hire. Morris took Jack Webb's place. Who did? Ben Morris, I think, was his name. Okay, he. He couldn't cut it in the wake of Jack Webb. Jack Webb had created this character and the character's personality. So even though the acting was good and the storylines were equally as good as they had been before, it wasn't Jack Webb. Well, the same thing happened when Jack Webb uh, left Jeff Regan. Somebody else took over the Jeff Regan part, and it wasn't quite the same. I mean, you know, you associate stars with... uh, Sam Spade. It was not the same actor Howard Duff left. No, it was, um... Uh, Stephen Dunn. Stephen Dunn, yeah. Wasn't the same. Um, you could say the same thing. Although I do think with uh, with my guilty favorite, Mr. Keene, I think ben, uh, Philip Clark was just about... Well, we, we, we think of Bennett Kilpack mainly. I don't think Philip Clark did a bad job when he replaced Bennett Kilpack. I don't think he did either. And they've... He, he kept true to the character. He didn't try to reinvent the character. He didn't try to bring a personal spin to the character. He didn't uh, try to divorce himself from the former actor. He fell into the role. He picked up the role, and he was Mr. Keene. No, I do think that... Uh, what, what instrument is that opening theme song? Is that a, trum- is that a trumpet? Oh, Mr. Keene? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someday I'll find you. Yeah, it was used in, I forgot what movie it was used in. It was an old movie it was used But I was trying to think, what the instrument? Well, now I have to go back and listen to one, don't I? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you mm-hmm. know what's interesting, though? It was called Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons. And in the early years, he, he did look for lost persons. But by the time most of the shows we're familiar with, he was investigating homicides. Yeah, because everybody got homicides, right? Yeah, everybody got found. That's why he gave up looking for lost people. But it was still called that. <laughs> 
he would. Uh, well, I guess in one sense, if you've been the victim of a homicide, you are lost in one sense, mm -hmm. I suppose. And they tried to justify it by saying, well, the murderer is lost and we located the murderer. I didn't find that too much of a justification, but, you know, I guess it was more interesting. To, it, it was in the in the era of detectives and murder mysteries. Now, did you feel, did you, now, another time, of course, where the actors changed a lot was The Shadow. I always felt, well, I liked Orson Welles and many things he did. My favorite shadow was always Bill Johnstone, the second shadow. Yeah, me too. Although Brent Morrison was good. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, actually, I think I like Morrison best. Yeah. Well, then what about you? I, you know, I think... They're both good. I, I'd be happy if he'd have won, but I think Bill Johnston, I think, is such an underrated actor. Because um, you hear him doing other roles later in his career, and he was not typecast. You, you could see a really good, fine actor. He was excellent in the lineup. Yeah. He loved radio theater. He played a lot of supporting roles. But I probably Brett Morrison, Patricia, because that's sure who I grew up listening to, probably. He'd be my yeah. first guest. I liked Wells. But I, but, I, but I associate Wells with so much higher drama than The Shadow. Well, it seemed like to me as a kid that the, the Orson Welles storylines were very stark. Oh. I mean, especially if you listen to The Poison Death, the one that they put the poison in the city drinking fountain, yeah. and The Shadow fighting the murderer, the murderer gets killed, and you don't know who's coming down the stairs, and you, and you hear The Shadow voice coming down as he's climbing down the, uh, the, the, you know, stairwell. I mean, those are really creepy stories. Right, and the, and the, the villains in the Wells ones seem much more sinister. They are. I think they are. But, I think, and you know, I like Camp, and I think that I love the, 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 the shadows from 40 Cent because they had such a campy feel about it, and I like that. Oh, I love Camp. Yeah. Campier yeah. the better. Yeah. Well, that's why, that's why we've, and we've talked in the past, that's why I know that was so appealing. It wasn't the stories. The stories were carbon copies. Mm -hmm. But it was just, you know, but it was one of those things like Mr. Keene. You know what's going to happen each time. Mm -hmm. He'll meet a woman that'll be, you know, it'll get him into some kind of trouble. He'll, he'll, he'll inevitably be hit and knocked down. Hellman will suspect him of the murder. Mm -hmm. so, and he has to rely on Jocko to help him solve the case. And what? somehow Jocko, as drunk as he is, manages to get the legwork done. Yeah, and, and somehow he manages to get into the files, into the morgue. <laughs> he gets all sorts of good things. I just listened to the opening of Mr. Keene. It sounds like trumpets to me, but I can't be sure. Uh-huh, but I wouldn't be surprised. But it definitely, it's such a, a haunting sound that it's just yeah. in your memory. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and of course the thing is, too, on the, uh, on the, on the Novak things, you know, you, uh, you know, it's in one sense, it's unreality because if the police really suspected him of murder, they would they would hold him. They sure wouldn't let him go around and do his investigating. You know, they would if they really thought he was a, a murder suspect. But you know, I have to lie to Detective Richard Diamond got away. You know, Walt was said, "All right, Walt, get, give me an hour." You know, they, they all these blacking. Yeah, all these police officers. Yeah, gave in Boston Black, you're mm -hmm. right, and on all of them, the police, for the most part. Well, although he treated, although Walt, the, the one that Diamond didn't have the respect for was Sergeant Otis. <laughs> well, the, the, the one show that just sets my, my giggle button off is The Fat Man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because he'll, he'll talk, well, who is the uh, detective? Now, he's Brad Runyon. Brad Runyon, he's and, played by J. Scott Smart. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I know, but who's the detective? What's the character's name? The police, I can't remember. 
you know who I'm talking about, though. And the fat man or Brad Runyon will will come in and say, and I got, and he oh, tries to make tough, and I got this guy, and. The couple say, okay, well, we're going to give you back. I was like, no, give me a couple of hours. I'll take care of it. And the cop says, okay. <laughs> well, I've often, and listening to these detective shows, I've often wondered this. In real life, I don't know if I've ever heard of a private detective solving a case. I mean, usually when, the, when you hear about a crime being solved, uh-huh. you hear police arrested so-and-so. Yeah. Uh, you know, could you do? Have you ever heard of in real life of a private detective solving a crime? Well, I don't know any private detectives, but you know, we we have to take into consideration that we're looking at the 30s and 40s with right. TV shows, and um, you know, they the de- detectives did not have the limitations or the Miranda Act. That would <laughs> like, yeah, like Mr. Keene, as John Dunning has pointed out, Mr. Keene could actually. Uh, use his skeleton key and go into people's homes without warrants or, you know, he could just somehow get in there. Okay, yes, of course. Yeah. Gerald Moore has such a persona with Philip Marlowe, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I just really enjoy the uh, – Sam Spade is on the top of my list as well. Yeah. He is just so good. Well, you but know, with, with, uh, and, of course, Marlowe, what's interesting is originally, of course, they, it was a summer series with Van Heflin. Right. And as good as Van Heflin maybe was as an actor, he just, to me, just didn't strike me as the Marlowe that we know from Gerald Moore. True. It isn't. Gerald Moore had this tough guy attitude that he even carried over to the Archie Goodwin role that he played on Nero Wolf. Had a similar, um, I mean, it, it, Philip Marlowe was over the top, but I mean, he had this similar tough guy attitude, and it just fit. It fit who he was. It fit how he acted. I don't know who he was and how he was as a real person. He wore more. He wore a cape to the studio. You're kidding me. No. You're Josh. No, he was sort of a, a, a name that way. Um, but you know, the thing always got me about Joe Moore and Philip Marlowe and Sam Spade. Sometime. You know, I, you can't figure out how they solved the crime. Oh, of course not. No, <laughs> you and I have talked about this. My it's normal. We're just plain human beings, right? Well, you get to the last ten minutes of the show, and you get somebody like Effie Perrine, the secretary, yeah. or somebody um, that Gerald Moore is back in his apartment, and yeah. the sun is coming up, yeah. and they spend the last twenty minutes, the first ten minutes getting into trouble, and twenty minutes explaining how they solved it. Yeah. The, the solution didn't come up. It was... What, always, what, what was always interesting about Mr. Keene was, inevitably, what would trip the murderer up would be something so minor that you wouldn't even think, you know, that you wouldn't even think of it. Like uh, the one where the murder, the one I'm thinking of is where the murderer, uh, he had he had dye on his fingers when he'd strangled, I guess he'd strangled the guy. And, and, and Mr. Keene, and he was, he, there was a woman that was also a suspect, and the murderer said to Mr. Keene, Take her away, Mr. Keene. I will be happy to testify against her. And Mr. Keene said, I imagine you would to save your own skin, Decker. What? <laughs> right. It was the green dye on his fingers that got him, you know, uh-huh. caught in the end. And little things like that is what made detective shows so fun. It was, you know, the little things that would slip them up. Two I did like, too, and they were relatively short lives. I kind of enjoyed Crime and Peter Chambers with Dane Clark. It was okay. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't up to Philip Marlowe, but it was an okay show. Yeah, the casebook of Gregory Hood was pretty good. And did you like uh, Barry Craig? Okay, not great. I, <laughs> I was disturbed by his swaggering womanizing, which dominated the show. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was different from the hard-boiled detectives. It was different from Camille Baby with Philip Marlowe and the problems that Sam Spade always got into with his women. It, that's it. With Barry Craig, he was suave, sophisticated, or he was trying to make us believe he was. And he always had a girl on the line, and he had to cancel a date. And he that was, was, a was that him or was that the Falcon? I'm, I'm a little the fa Falcon too. Yeah. Falcon. Yeah, he had the woman. Yeah, the Falcon was saying like, "Oh, Betty, I'd love to see you right now." You know that that, that was the. And, but Barry Craig, I guess, was very similar, right? In the, in the, in that sense, with like, a woman on the line, I guess. Yeah. Um. Well, anyway. They're all interesting. They were all interesting characters, and that's what, well, again, something that made radio so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't, uh, of course, there aren't that many private detectives on television now, but I, I didn't, when I watched television detective shows, for the most part, I couldn't sense that as well. I mean, I, I guess there were nuances that were interesting, but, you know, when they did Nero Wolf on television in the, well, they did it twice. They did it in the early 80s. William Conrad played Nero Wolf on television for one half season or so. And then there was a, an A&E Nero Wolf series in the late 90s. Mari Chafis, yes. I'm mispronouncing his name. It's it's a Jewish name, and it's it's got it's supposed to be Chafis, and it ends in a Z, and I'm mispronouncing it, but um, I didn't think he was particularly good in that role. I was really disappointed, but Timothy Hutton was fabulous as Archie Goodwin. He was really perfect for the role. Did you enjoy? Did you see? Did you ever see Conrad's performances in Nero Wolf? I don't think so. I don't recall. I think I would have remembered that. I forgot who played Archie in it. It was a very short live series. But what they did, unfortunately, and I think it would have worked better if they had kept it in a 1940s setting. They they set it in a night, you know, in an 80s setting. You know, they made it modern. Where when the TV version of Ellery Queen was on in the mid-70s, they actually gave it a 1940s setting. Mm -hmm. And they did the same with the second Nero Wolf series with um, with Mari, Ch 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 the name I can't pronounce. I think you pronounce Chapin. Pardon? Chapin, I think. Chapin? No, it, I don't think so. It, it sounds like it to me. Maybe, it does. Maybe well, it, it's similar to that. Yeah. Um, they kept it in the 40s. It had a 30s and 40s ambiance, the, the clothes were, were similar, the cars, the restaurants, everything was, was set in period time. And it worked. It worked great. What was so fascinating when you read the Nero Wolf novels, and it, it conveys it better than the radio shows do, I think, hmm. is the novels convey, you can just picture the way Nero Wolf is. Rex Stout was able to just make it so convincing. Here was this detective who stayed home, never left his house kept to this rigid routine every day of the orchids for two hours in the morning and two hours in the afternoon, never discussed business at the table, always would order a beer or something through in his office at various times through the day. He had that routine every day. So Very strong characterization, yes. So did Neil Wolf only work in the book form? Uh -huh. Not really, did Neil Wolf really didn't work in the other formats? Oh, I, I think it, it, it worked very well on the television series, uh -huh. one that I recall seeing. It was the, the actor himself that did not seem to fit the character of Nero Wolf. I heard that Rex Stout was not really happy with the radio adaptations. I'd, I'd read that. Yeah, well, I, I, Tim was talking to his daughter, and she said, Dad only listened for five minutes, and that was it. Oh, for the radio? Uh-huh. Yeah. But, you know, I can understand that, because they are quite a departure yeah. from the books. At the same time, they had half an hour to put together an entire story that, That's true. that Rex Stout was able to take an entire book for. Right. 
Well, and of course, you know, it's a totally, of course, it's, it's the same way when you hear people talk about, well, the movie wasn't as good as the book. And of course, that's always generally the case. You have to adapt a full novel, say an 800-page novel into a two-hour movie, is an unenviable task. I mean, you have to, you know, you have to leave things out, you have to make things more visually exciting, and, and I imagine the screenwriter, it must be an enormous challenge to adapt a novel. It is. It is, indeed. Um, I mean, it just is. Anytime you cross medium, you're, you're in a whole new ballgame. You're taking the concept of a story and recreating it for a new medium. Well, you know, and I've heard mixed opinions about the, the you know, you know uh, the, the new Green Hornet, the recent Green Hornet movie, and the shadow. Well, I can certainly talk about the Shadow movie. I did not see the Green Hornet movie. I guess if you go in with the attitude, it's not the radio show, and it's a totally different medium. I guess that's a better way. If you go in with that attitude, I suppose it's easier to accept it if you expect it to follow the radio show. The Shadow, to me, all I remember about the movie was him saying, who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men. I cannot remember that much about the story. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't see either one of them, but I am aware of the criticisms that people had about the Green Hornet movie and what a terrible departure it was from this uh, hero character. He was not a hero or didn't behave like a hero should behave in, in, uh, as we had it. But I think that's one of the pitfalls of loving old-time radio, that we have the liberty of creating these characters in our heads. Walden and I have talked about this with Fibber McGee and Molly. His image of Fibber and Molly and the house is dramatically different from what my image was. And we don't have that. When we look at a movie, we are forced to accept what's being given to us. We don't have the liberty of creating. And what is being said to us never matches what's in our head. Well, that's why, you know, we've talked about this before, too, with, your, 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 with uh, Mr. Schultz talked about it, I believe. That's why I think the Fibber Me, well, there were two reasons. The ad, different actors, but also because the reason I think the Fibber McGee and Molly television series failed was in part, first, the actors weren't the Jordans, and second, seeing the, seeing the closet wasn't as funny as, as imagining it. No, it wasn't. And I think I've mentioned, I know I've mentioned this before, that when I saw my first pictures of photographs of Jim and Marion Jordan, I thought, no, this doesn't work. I, it just didn't work. They were not the people I had in my head as living at 79 Wistful Vista. They just weren't. Right. Tell you what they are in my head. In my head, Fibber is this skinny little runt who runs up, and, and he's like a floppy little kid running up the stairs. And Molly is not portly, but, you know, kind of, she has a, a little Irish meat on her. Very short, maybe five foot two with um, a short neck, a cute smile, and curly hair. Now, that's my Fibber McGee and Molly. Right. That's not Jim and Marion Jordan, certainly not in the picture I have seen, and it's not the people who wound up in the movies. I mean, it's Jim and Marion Jordan in the movies, but the Fibber McGee and Molly characters in the movie, or movies, are such a departure from what I have in my radio head that it was a disappointment for me. And I guess some people probably felt the same way about the Gildersleeve movies. Uh huh? 
some people probably felt the same way about the Gilderslave movies. Yes, in, indeed. But I, when I say a disappointment for me, it just didn't match up. I thought, I'm wrecked. I was ruined. Yeah. <laughs> I had this image, um, and it took a while to get reality out of my head so I could go back to my my world of imagination with radio. Well, that's what, you know, so, you know I'll always believe and people can argue with me till doomsday, I'll always believe William Conrad was a far superior Matt Dillon. I just, no one can ever, can, I mean, there's nothing against Jim Arness or anything like that, but I just, to me, and again, I'm going by the audio standpoint, which is all I can go by, he seemed, from an audio standpoint, too nice as Dillon. And I know he was tough, and I know if you saw him draw his gun, I suppose you would have a different image of him, but he can, but, he seemed too nice in the role where Conrad was fearsome. And you, 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 when he told you to drop your gun, you either d dropped it or died. You know, you, you got that image from, from William well, Conrad. William Conrad was shorter and wider, and Matt Dillon was very vertical, so that he used his stature and his, his appearance and his calm attitude to get the same results as... William Conrad did. I don't think visually he would have made a good a good transition. I don't think. I had a hard time um, watching some of the black and whites when they came. You know, I mean, everything is, is back in, into reruns, and you get emergency room and all, all of these, um, you know, ER. What, what was the name of the show? ER. ER, that they had Rampart 1. Yeah. I, I don't remember that. But anyway, um, seeing William Conrad, even in the movies, I can't imagine that he would make a transition to Matt Dillon on television. I, I just couldn't, I can't picture that. Well, most do agree the show would not have lasted 20 years on television with William Conrad the way it did with, with Arnie uh, uh -uh. Again, you get, you know, you have, you have the image that you, you know, you have the image of the people you hear. And we, and we, and we, we both, I still think, and we, I still think Daner was a much better paladin than Richard Boone was. But that's just, but again, that's just an opinion. I suppose people who watch TV would feel total. A lot of people who watch TV would feel totally different. Hmm. Because you know, Jayner comes across as this gentleman. You, you sort of that frontier. Of course, he was frontier gentleman. But you have that gentleman image of a gentleman gunfighter. I think I think um, John Daner could have done anything, including cartoons, and I would have been happy. I mean, I, he sure did a lot. When you think of all the different roles he played, of course, on radio and television. And yes. I mean, he was so versatile, and he had such a wonderful voice. It's the kind of voice that, it, no matter how he used it, it was perfect. Well, the, as for the other Gunsmoke characters, friends of mine have told me that they do think that Parley Bear would have been a good Chester on television. Mm-hmm. And they... they we never talked that much about Doc and Kitty, whether the whether the radio ad people would have succeeded or not. Yeah, one of the, it's one of those things we'll never know. But you have that image, and you, you know the image sticks in your head, and it, it just shows again just what a powerful medium radio was. I still want Zibber as a skinny little squirt. Yeah, well, that, that's the image you want, and that's the image that stays in your mind. And, and I can have it because it's in my mind, and I don't have to foist it on anyone. Well, Jim, I really appreciate the call and, and the... Again, I just wanted to straighten it up about some of those serial some of those serial characters for your serials. You've done good. Well, you all have a wonderful evening again. Okay, Jim. Thank you, Walden. for calling. You bet, Jim. Bye. 714-545-2071. one show we haven't talked about yet, Patricia. Which is? How about this? 
Adventures of The Saint, starring Vincent Price. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris and known to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures, the Robin Hood of modern crime now comes to radio, starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor, Vincent Price, as... The Saint. Excuse me, but is the seat next to you taken? Oh, I don't think so. Of course, it really belongs to the bus company. Would you mind if I sat here? But does anybody mind when Santa Claus comes for Christmas? What? I met you very pretty. Please sit down. Oh, thanks. But I sneeze. Now go ahead. Oh, and there's Sandra Gould and Vincent Price. I love it. The Robin Hood of modern crime. <laughs> Why did you play that, Walden? Because you that was going to be your topic of the night. Well, it's one of my topics for the night. And thank you for doing that. And we were talking about Johnny Dollar before, so this fits in. When, I'm, when Walden and I talked just before the show, I said, you know, I talk about a whole bunch of stuff, and I've got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about, like silly and useless but fun, things like that. Um, but I don't talk a whole lot about old-time radio, and I thought, well, this is a really good opportunity to pull out some information about some of our old-time radio stars, and Vincent Price was the one I picked for tonight, so Walden pulled that out and made me smile, because Vincent Price was the saint. He was Simon Templer, the saint, and I did not know that he was not the only saint that we had. I thought he was it from the get-go. Nope, he got out of it by someone if you want or so. Well, it, yeah, he, he was, he came in in the middle and he left in the middle. <laughs> you know, somebody came before him and somebody came after him. And I did not know that. Mm. Um, he was the saint. Well, actually, the, the saint itself ran from January 1945 to July 1951. So that's five, five and a half years. That's a long time for a run like this. He, however, was only there for four years. George Sanders, I think, bit it in the movies, if I recall. And and his brother was Tom Conway. Both were movie stars in their own right. Both, and both Tom had... Conway was one of the worst Sherlock Holmes in the whole wide world. <laughs> Hello there, you're on the air. Hello. Hi. Hello. How are you doing, Patricia? I'm fine. Who is this? Delena. Delena, hi. I didn't recognize your voice. I'm sorry. How oh, are you doing? She had a northern accent with that hello. Voice earlier. Uh, I had my granddaughter here and everything, and we were up at uh, a place called uh, uh, Crystal's. Uh-huh. It's a pizza place, and it has games and stuff in there. It's kind of gone down a lot. A lot of the games are broken, and you don't get the right tickets when you win and stuff. <laughs> oh, gee. She loves it. She loves it. When she comes to town, she wants to uh, go to Crystal's. Oh, uh, how old is she? She's 10. Oh, gee. <laughs> I just turned 10 in, uh, in uh, January. I don't get to see her very much, so it just I'm tickled to death when she comes. I feel like a kid. It makes me feel younger, you know. Oh, that, that is so sweet, and you are such a good sport for doing that with her. How did you get her home? Oh, it's it's a pleasure. Well, no, Waldo knows what I'm going through right now. I'm going through a whole lot of really bad stuff. Oh, gee, I'm uh, sorry. So having her to love me is, uh, wow. <laughs> She looks up to me, Ma, you know, and it means a lot to me. Yeah. 
I mean, like you can tell, I'm just <laughs> real emotional about it. I'm, I'm getting the sense that um, she's, she's uh, getting a little emotional about this, too, that she loves you as much as you love her. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, then, uh, then we went to uh, Walmart. It was just kind of a rough evening. You were with Bill and Kim today too. Uh, huh? You were with Bill and Kim too. Well, right? I was going to be, and we had uh, we had that uh, stomach virus, remember? Yes. And I got over it, and Danny got worse. Ah. Okay. Well, I didn't want to leave him here. Yeah. By himself, you know. So I called Kim and I apologized for it. So I'm I'm gonna go over there probably. Well, after uh, Nathan and and uh, Caitlin leave, mm -hmm. I'm gonna drive out there because I've still got Marty's car. Mm -hmm. See, I don't have a car, Patricia, and uh. And Marty's mother's been in the hospital, and so he's driving her, uh, well, it's not an issue. What's those things? You have vans, and the other ones are called, the other one's called SUV, or is the van the SUV? No, a van is a van, and an SUV is an SUV. Okay, okay well, she's got an SUV. It's a Jeep thing. Uh-huh. And Marty's driving that, and uh, so he's, he, he, he's parked his car here, so at least I've had his car for a few days, and it's been wonderful to be able to go to the store just to drive, you know? Yeah. Great. And so, uh, and he came over, and, uh, uh, no, we picked him up over at the house. We went and, uh, took Caitlin to see, uh, uh, Ita. It's what, it's what, it, it's, it's grandmother in Spanish. Uh, so, uh, went over there. That's Marty's mom. And my, she's, she's great. I call her mom. She's wonderful. She's been in the hospital for, uh, about two weeks. And, uh, so I took, uh, uh, flowers and everything over there. Let let Caitlin do that, and it just tickled her to death. I mean, uh, you know, mom. And uh, then after that, we uh, I drove over to uh, pick up Marty, so we could go, so he could be part of it. You know, Papa, she goes Papa, and things didn't go real good. And anyway, we went we went to Walmart, and I bought her a whole bunch of clothes and everything. Yeah, you know, spent a lot of money. I just thought Marty was going to pay for it, but he didn't. But now I'm in a spot. But sure. But uh, I know I didn't. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get that on there. I'm sorry. I didn't <laughs> all that. I called. Yes. I just loved that. Uh, what was his name? Is Mr. Blue or something? Uh, Chad. Chad. You love Chad. I, I hope he's listening. He said he had to go catch a bus or something. Yeah, he got to the bus to go back home to Nebraska. Well, where was he? He went to the old time radio convention in Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, I didn't know there was one there. Yep. How, how many are there, Walden, old-time radio conventions? Well. I know that there's uh, the... Uh, Seattle has one or uh, two. Uh, what's the reps one's called? Reps is called the Radio Thuces Pusa Sound Showcase. Well, what's... The, no, okay. What's the other one? The, uh, uh, oh, uh, see. oh, the Friends of Old-Time Radio, Newark, New Jersey. I know, but there's, it goes by some initials. There's another uh -huh. one. F-O-T-R. O-T-R. Yeah, in Spurback. In New Jersey or New York or something. Yeah, in Reps. And Cincinnati, Ohio has one. And wait, wait. Where's O-T-R? F-O-T-R in Newark, New Jersey. Okay. That's the big, isn't that like the big kahuna? That's sort of the grandfather, That's yeah. What I thought it was. Yeah. Have, uh, have you heard any more from, um, God. All of a sudden his name's just on mine. I just love him to death. Uh, Elliot Reed, Ted Reed. No, oh, oh no, I love Elliot. Yeah. Oh God, how is he doing by the way? I haven't talked to Ted in a few weeks, in a few months, so I don't. I, I'm, I'm assuming he ain't in really well. You know, he's 91. He has struck. Elliot Reed is 91. 91. No. Yeah. No. All of us are getting younger. 
Huh? All of us are getting younger, you know that. It's scaring me. Yeah. I turned 60 this year, Patricia, or, or on Halloween last year. And Patricia's just freaking me out. Totally depressing and freaking me out. I can't seem to... Elena? Oh, Patricia, I just... On the flip side, you can celebrate that you made it. Yeah. But I, at 60, I haven't accomplished... If you made it to 60, it's a major accomplishment. Yeah. That's true. It is. I've had a bad day. I shouldn't have called. I was going to talk, talk about that, that nice man, man, Chad. He did a great job. And that was Chad's first time calling tonight. Uh, he's never called in before. We've seen him in the chat room. Yeah. And oh, Chad, so Chad is a... heard you mention that. Chad is a terrific musician. He shared some of his music. He's a musician? Yeah. Wonder. That's what he does. He plays in. Uh, I was surprised that he he tried out for the role. I think that's he cute. did. Yeah, he, 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 he tried out for something OTR. Yep, he tried out a Sam the barkeep. That was what was he at? What was the other one? Gunsmoke. He tried out. Uh, it, Sam the bartender in the Gunsmoke recreation. Really? Yep. And it just, I just, I am so it, proud of him for doing that. I can't imagine our our Chad who is so quiet sometimes. I know. <laughs> in the background and not only to say pick me I'll I'll try out but to wind up the bartender <laughs> did he get the role oh yeah Chad wonderful yeah and, and he, so it's already done and yep he got he got he did a show yesterday and so he had a great huh? time and he he surprised all of us by calling the first time to be our reporter uh, well, well, well I mean uh when when was that this weekend it was Friday it was Friday and Saturday Wow. He's yeah. going to bed tonight and... 21. Wow. 21. I think it's great. Yeah. And what I was thinking was, um, since he's kind of new to it, uh, and, and, and somebody, someone, just, it was a blessing that he got, you know, those, those uh, what was it, uh, tapes of a yeah. couple of things. Yeah, years, years ago, you yeah. bet. And, uh, I mean, that, that, that piqued his interest. Yes. And I think it's wonderful. The more young people that uh, are exposed to old-time radio, to keep it going, you know. Oh, I agree. But what yeah. I wanted to do, Walden, is mm -hmm. uh, I would like to buy him. Do you have his address? We can get it. Do it, but I'm saying I could get you to. I, what I want to do is buy him Frank's book, the uh, uh, Radio's Golden Years, or Guide to the Shows and Stars. Well, I know, I know, we can get. I know where we can send a free copy. A free copy? Mm-hmm. It's, you it's, have his address. I we can get. We can get it. Yeah, you can get it. I would like to pay for it, you know. Uh, well, I don't have to worry about that part. Really? Yeah. I'd be glad to. I know. But I, I just, it really touched me. I went, wow. I yeah. mean, it just made me so happy that somebody that young. Yep. Well, Kim, Kim, Kim. And he had tried a roll. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, Kim, it, yeah, know, Kim, yeah, Kim has all 300 copies. That's where all of them are at now. Huh? Kim Bragg had 300 copies of the book. Oh, she does? Yes. I didn't know that. How yeah. did you do that? I sent it down to <laughs> I mean, I thought you had to order it from, from Frank. Well, no, Frank, Frank decided to uh, uh, send all the remaining copies to uh, Kim Bragg. So, Kim, I wrote it up. She had 300 copies of the book. Did you just give them to her, or is she going to send him the money? I gave her the book, and it's up to Kim to decide how she wants to do it. Okay, I'll talk to her about yeah, it. Then. You, you want me you, to, or you? Yeah, want you you go ahead. Give a, you talk to Kim. Okay, but uh, okay. So 
Well, but how do I arrange to send it to this person? Well, he's a member. He's a he's part. He's a member of the chat room, so Kim Bragg would have his address. She would. Oh. Yeah. When see, I don't know about internet, Patricia. I, I, I don't. I don't have it, and I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't even know how it works. I mean, like, uh, what is everybody's address on there or something? No, 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 no. Kim keeps a private file. Oh, because he's a member of uh, of uh, Yesterday USA. Uh huh. He supports the station. Wow. I need to send something. I haven't sent something in a long time. Oh, uh, hey. But you don't uh, what get. I was going to say was, when he was talking about you know being exposed to this, and what I would like, Walden, is is I guess I could talk to uh, well you, and also uh, Bill. I'll I'll try to go over there tomorrow or whenever mm -hmm. at, uh, Nathan and uh, Caitlin leave. Mm -hmm. I was gonna go over and take some flowers and something. Right. I'm gonna keep the birds while they go on um, on a, on a trip. Yeah. And uh, their their love bird and their little parakeet. Right. It's in uh, June, isn't it? June yep. 21st. June 21st, uh-huh. So, anyway, I'm going to go over there and uh, take something in honor of Mama Bet. Ah. It just breaks my heart she's gone. I wanted to see her. Bless her heart. God yeah. bless her. She yeah. was so, such, she was, she was a pip, you know? She mm -hmm. was just, <laughs> I loved her. Yep, yep. She was a great person. Very, very much so. Anyway, when I go over there, I wanted to, I'll, I'll uh, talk to Kim about Talk to them. Kim, yeah. She well, got now, it. What's his name, Chad? Chad, uh huh. Chad what from Nebraska. Huh? Chad, Chad from Nebraska. Chad from Nebraska. Uh huh. And she can look it up. Yep. Okay, and I'll tell her. I'll tell her to. Uh, you bet. Send him that. I think he would enjoy that. What I was gonna say was, can you and and maybe I'll ask Bill. Does, oh no, that's right. He can't because he has the tapes and there. Everybody has their own shows. That's right. Mm -hmm. Different thing. Uh, Inner Sanctum. Grand Central Station, Lights Out, Little Orphan Annie. I've never heard that. I think I heard one Little Orphan Annie, didn't I? Did you play it or? Uh-huh. I, I played some. You bet. I mean, like some new stuff, you know? Sure. I, I love those, uh, like, lights. Sure. Everybody. I, I guess the best thing to do is let the disc jockeys know. Actually, you know who has ask him to put that kind of stuff in, because right now we have some Kim Bright has some empty spots on the station, and Kim, Kim, likes, Kim likes to pick out variety, so... Oh, you mean on her show? No. What happens... She the still have her own show. Yes, yeah, she does. But the disc jockeys send in their tapes into to be played every two weeks. Yeah. But many times they miss, the, they miss, and so Kim has to sit down and figure out what to be played. And I think there are still a couple of slots that are open that Kim fills up each rotation. Right. Is that, is that true? Yeah. Correct. And so the, if you want to hear something different. I would love to do it. Yeah. If you want to hear something different, ask Kim and she'll do it. Because she likes to put the variety in. Yeah, I don't like being on the air, but I, I would love if I had the resources to be a, a disc jockey. Sure. And send in, you know, because all I have to do is say a few things. And, I mean, That's right, okay. just play the tapes, right? You bet. You bet. Oh, ask, you know, if you want to hear some new material, ask him to put it in. He'll do it. Okay. But what, one time didn't you say me, uh, I said something about playing Grand Central Station, and you said there's, there's not, not many. Not that many. I think there's what, some four, four, maybe six. Oh, my goodness. Why mm -hmm. is that? Hyman Brown produced, that was one of his many shows, and for some reason... We don't have very many copies of Hyman Brown series. Yeah. And he, he, Hyman Brown, now, that might change. Uh, his granddaughter taking over the estate, and she told me 
wait till the end of this year and maybe I can work something out. I don't know if Hyman kept copies of all the different series he produced or not. I'll find out down the road. But there's just... Hyman did not... He's only released four or... We don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Do they have talked to her or... Basically, you know, I... Well, I'm saying I will find out more in a year or so. Okay. So, okay. yeah, that's, that's Walden's... Let me look that up. Just, uh-huh. Um, if you don't mind, wait just, just a second. This is Yesterday USA. That's Patricia. I'm Walden. We're talking to Doina. And you can give us a call at 714-545-2071. Or you can send Patricia an email at floridawriter at hotmail.com. Send me an email at waldenshoes at hot... No, no. Yesterday <laughs> USA. I know where you are. You are. <laughs> That's right. I'm over there. You're over here. I mean, Walden is at Walden Hughes at, at yesterdayusa. That's right. Dot com. And uh, we're we're enjoying the evening. Grand Central Station was on page 101 of Frank's book. Right. It was on. Let's see. Began on NBC Blue in 1937. Later on CBS, NBC, and ending on ABC in 1954. What's well, quite a run. Yep. Hyman Brown had it every Saturday morning. For all 17 years? Uh, 17 years? Yep. Wow. And, and there's only four. <laughs> only four episodes. Uh, and the, the opening is what people remember it by. And most people say, why in the world do you have a steam train going through Grand Central Station? That does not make any sense. Why? It makes sense to me. I know, but it, I guess in really in Manhattan, you didn't have steam trains. Well, who ever said it was a steam train? You know, you hear the whoosh at the end. Oh, well, who cares? What, what, what? <laughs> stickers. Come on, uh, laying aside. Now, this is interesting because Ron, one of the shows that Ron said he's going to send me is Grand Central Station. Uh-huh. But he didn't mention how many he has. Well, I guess maybe he, maybe Ron is sitting with all of them. He's got more than four, I'm confident. Let's find out. Listen to this. This is, a, this is the opening. All I remember is him going, Grand Central Station, you right. know? Right. What? And on this, it says, famous opening. <clears throat> As a bullet seeks its target, shining rails in every part of our great country are aimed at Grand Central Station, heart of the nation's greatest city. Drawn by the magnetic force of the fantastic metropolis, day and night, great trains rush toward the Hudson River, sweep down its eastern bank for 140 miles, flash briefly by the long red row of tenement houses south of 125th Street, one with a roar. What was it, like? Yeah, one with a roar into the two-and-a-half-mile tunnel, which burrows beneath the glitter and swank of Park Avenue, and then, it says, it goes, Grand Central Station, crossroads of a million private lives, gigantic stage on which are played a thousand dramas daily. That's what it says. Yep, one of the great... I don't remember that. It's one of the great openings. You don't remember that. Grand Central Station. Mm. That's all I remember. I love that show. That fame. Uh, well, Patricia, the one I like and Walden knows is that, that, that Christmas one where Jesus gets off the train. <laughs> you know, I love that. I love that. When I was a little kid, I used to worry about things like that. <laughs> what? Like what? Well, and like um, they had a picture one time of a man who was dressed like Jesus and had a crown of thorns and he was being arrested. Um, in New York City. Where, where was this, just on TV or, or? 
I beg your pardon? Well, where, where, where was this? The newspaper. It was a picture. newspaper. Okay. Yeah. And I thought, well, how do you know? How did they know, you know, that it wasn't the real thing? Yeah. I used to worry about that when I was a little kid. Oh, bless your heart. Well, I just love that story. And Jesus walks in, I mean, and, and it was in place of another doctor that was that had died. And there was... Oh, oh, I remember that one. Oh, sure. I know that. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's Dr. Mason or something. And, 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 he, and he goes into the... the uh, the uh, chief of staff or something, and uh-huh. and he goes, but but he goes, well, and he goes, uh, it's good that you're here because if you weren't, he said, I would have to tell the people that are hurt, wait, wait and suffer. <laughs> yes, and he had to give me some money there, and I laughed at that. I thought that was so he had to, the, the administrator had received the call ahead of time that the doctor had been killed in an automobile yeah. accident, so he was very surprised when this one showed up and said, this is who he was. So, yes, I, I do recall. I remember that, that line, what he said, that we would... <laughs> I don't know. It was pretty telling all the way through. Suffer. <laughs> yes. Tell us he'll have to go and suffer. Yeah. I just love that. It just makes me laugh. I just, it's so dramatic. Wait. Apparently, it really hurts. God bless you. Well, my dear, are you in the market for a question tonight? I'll try. I'm not on my best tonight, I warn you, but. Oh, now, now, now. We're going to have one here. I know we've got one here. Probably. All right. What was. All right. Who lived at 79 Wistful Vista? Oh, oh, uh, 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 the, the, uh, Fair McGee and Molly. There you go. Yeah. There you did. Now, are you able to listen to CDs yet? No. Nathan bought me a, they sent me a, uh, uh, CD tape player. And, uh, I went, oh, wow. And, uh, the paper in it said it was from, uh, Best Buy and it, I mean, he ordered it, you know, through the internet or something. And, and it came and I went, oh, wow, this is great. And. It's nothing. It doesn't work at all. Doesn't doesn't come on. Nothing. And I haven't. And, and then I looked at the paper and it said this is a re something. You know, a refurbisher, a remanufacturer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we don't guarantee these. So, there. I, I I've I've got it by the door, by the I mean in the living room. And uh-huh. I was going to get Marty to take me up there, but he hasn't. And it's been sitting there since Christmas. Okay. Well, when you.